ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hello, everybody. Brian David Marshall here with Magic Gathering Hall of Famer Zvi Moshowitz for another episode of Top 8 Magic. We've been cycling our way through Ikoria, doing a little bit of a limited review. We've talked about the companions. Uh, we've talked about uh, all five colors and color and multicolors of, of the commons and uncommons. But, you know, what do you do when you open up a really great rare? How do those things factor into your draft? How do you make those decisions between taking a, you know, really good common for your deck versus taking this high payoff rare that may or may not um, actually just kind of warp your deck or force you to go down a play route that is going to disconnect you from what you're really trying to do. Uh, yeah. I, go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, this, this format is very much about doing ridiculously powerful things. And some of them are just, I have a few ridiculously powerful cards, but a lot of them are I doing a thing really hard. And you really need to, you definitely need to adjust for the central thing that you're doing. Uh, also, before we begin, I just want to say that apologies for soft selling the cycling deck in our previous uh, <laughs> deck. Like, we talked about it as the thing you want, but not as just the broken deck that occasionally shows up and beats your ass. And we should clarify, this deck is bonkers. When you get paired against the proper version, you lose. If you have it, yeah. you just win. It is yep. insane. Yeah, I did a I did a draft the other day. I felt like I felt like super powered, right? Like I I did the draft. I like cut off all the cycling cards. I got paid off in pack two. You know, the cards kept coming in pack three. I had just a great deck. Um, I go to play my first round. I lose the die roll, but I'm like, that's okay. I'm gonna be great. I've got all these cyclers. I've got a flourishing fox. I'm I'm good. And then my opponent led off with flourishing fox. <laughs> and, and, yeah. They, I guess, at their draft table had uh, also drafted the deck and had a possibly somehow slightly better version even. Uh, and I yeah. just, uh, I, and that was the only deck I lost to. And it's kind of the right. only deck I tend to lose to with that deck. Yeah. I, I had a, a game in my last draft where I had a Plains and a Swamp Out. And a I had a, a, a White Land and a, and a Swamp Out and a Flourishing Fox. And my opponent had the Plains, a Mountain, and a Flourishing Fox. <laughs> and the, cap the caption, if I had taken the screenshot, is, I fear I'm about to be outfoxed. Yeah. <laughs> because his fox is going to be bigger than mine. He is doing the thing. And I am only also doing the thing while doing my thing. And that's not going to cut it. But I got to tell you, it's really weird the way some cards are just not, don't seem to get the same valuation. Um, you know, or, or not being as being highly prioritized. Ominous Seas continues to be a card I get very late. Sorry, which card? Ominous, Ominous Seas. Seas. I, came, I, I had a choice between Narset of the Ancient Way and Ominous Seas in a red-white cycling deck. And for collection and experience and coolness, I chose Narset over Ominous Seas, even though that's pretty clearly wrong. And then I tabled the Ominous Seas, and I just don't understand people at all. <laughs> yeah i've i've actually been red blue cycling where i i'm technically have some white and 
you know, maybe we'll have a couple of game lands if, if things line up correctly. But uh, I'm perfectly happy to continue to set, you know, my white is essentially imposing Vantasaurs and Danrith healers. Yeah, I, I have no problem with ending up there. I prefer the actual white, red, and Fusquash blue. I, I, or no I do too. Version. Yeah. But yeah, if you, get, if you end up with the blue version, that's, you know, also perfectly fine. So, so what would you consider, so you, you open up a pack. What would you consider to be the commons or uncommons that push you, you know, that you see this in your opening pack, you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do the cycling deck. What do you need to see in your first pack? Like, you know, just, just on the common and uncommon spectrum. My attitude is I'm looking to play the cycling deck. I want to do it. On, I would pick a card for that deck unless there's an overwhelmingly better card to do something else. Partly because the cycling deck can just play any overwhelmingly powerful card in at least white, red, and blue. Right. And can often end up playing flash black or green cards, depending on the circumstances. So there's a broken rare. I think you should take the broken rare for the most part. But certainly if I see one of the broken uncommon, Right, the three one, the flourishing fox. I'm going to take it over most rares and okay. all common. So as, as we, same thing. As we go through the rares, let's let's use flourishing fox, um, valiant rescuer, and uh, ominous seas as kind of your benchmark for like above yeah. or below the line on the rares. Yes, Does that, that makes sense. Very, yeah, I think that's a very reasonable thing to do. Okay. And I think you're going to be surprised by how many cards are below that line. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have a, a very nice 69 cards in the rare slot, uh, rare or mythic in Ikoria. So uh, we'll see. What, what you, what's your guess on how many we're going to end up putting below the line? At least half. Okay. Um, uh, I, th I think that's reasonable. I think I think if we got to like... You know, 42, I would be shocked. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm just looking at, you know, just for visual, right? I'm looking at the first eight on my screen because I have them blown up to maximum size. Yeah. And um, the number that are above that threshold is two. Okay. Just to give a preview. Like, you, people are <laughs> going to disagree with some of those other six, but... You know, I'm not sure that's not the pattern. I think it might be more like three quarters. We'll, okay. we'll see as we go. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to keep a, a a mental count here of as we as we go through. Um, so Cub Warden is where we start. This is three W for a three five life linking creature with mutate two W W, uh, and whenever this creature mutates, create two one one white cat creature tokens with life link. It's a very good card. It's very good. If you mutate onto a small creature, you're pretty happy. If you get to monstrosity, you're pretty happy. If you just cast it for four mana, you're pretty happy. But you're not thrilled. This <laughs> card is not actually a blowout, right? right? It's just good. It's just consistently good. Right. And Compared so... Compare it to a Valiant Rescuer on turn two versus this on turn four. This just isn't close. Right. As that level of value, right? Valiant Rescuer also even cycles in case you need that. Right. This also, is... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, also, also just any, anything that's white and has mutate is a, a little bit of a disadvantage because so many of your cheap white creatures are humans. So you, you do find yourself a little bit constrained as far as your ability to use the, the, use the mutate end of this card. Yeah, I don't want to be playing one four Vigilance creatures in my deck if right. I can help it. Right. So there's very few good things to mutate onto. I think Carb Warden obviously goes up a lot if you are building monstrosities, and that is your plan. But most of the time, that won't be my plan. This will just be a generically good card that occasionally mutates. And I've had good results with it. But right. it's just not that exciting. Right. You, you, would, not, you would not... So if, if you saw Valiant Rescuer in the pack with us, right? I think that's the right name of the card. Um, yes, you would you would take the Valiant Rescuer over Cub Warden. Yes, I'd be obviously sad about passing a Cub Warden. Right. Because that's going to be seen by some people as a signal. Obviously by someone like me, I would see it as, no, actually, if an uncommon's missing, it's probably white. <laughs> but that's not something I expect most people to pick up on. But it's also just not a big drop to me, right? It's, it's a good card. You're going to take it. But it's just not that far above par that people who aren't inclined to be white are going to feel that drawn to it. So I'm not that worried about it. Plus, if they do draft white, so you splash a bunch of cycling cards in white and that's all your white. That's fine. Right? Like you have, the cycling deck just has so much flexibility. There are so many cards you can take. There are so many mana bases you can build. You can be two colors. You can be three colors. You can be two plus a tat, two plus a touch. So even though you have to play something like all but eight of your cards, in many get cases, in order to get to 40 cards and not have too many lands, you're still fine. So I would say, yeah, I'm happy to, I'm very happy to start the draft of Cubboard. I think it's above the commons. Sure. Uh, it, it is certainly a card that, while maybe doesn't shine in the cycling deck, uh, we've seen the white, black, go wide deck be pretty good. Uh, the white, black, go wide deck is, yeah, I'd say the white, black, go wide deck is fine when it gets there. And the problem is, it can look pretty good when it doesn't get there, and your cards are terrible for anything else. Right? If you start down that path, you'd better make it. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So, so you you would just consider this a solid a solid card. You're happy to have it in your deck, but not something that is uh, above the bar of some of the premium uncommons for the cycling deck. Yeah, your, your deck is better because it contains cupboard unless it messes up your map. Right. But, you know, you just not, it's not the game changer that I'm hoping for. Right. Unless I get very heavy mutate in my deck. Right. Um, yeah. Next up is Dranith Magistrate. Starts off really promising. Dranith, that sounds great. I'm really in on this. I like I things with your opponents can't cast spells. That, that's a promising <laughs> start to a tiny. Uh, one W for a one three. Yeah, your opponent, a human wizard, your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. Yeah, th so, this, is a construct, this is a constructed aimed rare. This is not for us in Limited. This right. is a basically unplayable card in Limited because the, the text doesn't do anything. I think there is like one rare that casts itself from the yard that you might bring this in against if they had two of them or something. Yeah. It, it's pretty extreme. This is just I, a one I, I've had my Yorian shut down by it. Okay, I mean, you can, okay, that's fair. You can shut down a companion. Yeah. That is true. 
And, and yeah, so if they have a companion, it's reasonable to consider bringing it in. Right. But that's the only real case. In the best of one, I wouldn't even think about it. So, yeah, it's one of those cases where it's an unprotected 1-3. So the games where it matters, that text suddenly matters, it dies reasonably often. Right. right? It, in the other games, it does literal nothing reasonably often. 1-3, unmutatable is really bad. Yeah, yeah, unmutatable is a big deal. Uh, Lava Brink Venture, 2W for a 3-3. Three, three. It's a human soldier. And as it enters the battlefield, you choose odd or even. And it has protection from each converted mana cost of the chosen value. It's a really interesting card. I have definitely had a lot of games where this card comes down. And I'm thinking to myself, if they choose wrong, I win the game for sure. And if they choose <laughs> right, I'm not sure what happens. Yeah, I mean, certainly a yeah. great card if you find yourself up against an Obosh or a Garuda. I mean, maybe. <laughs> they it might I, still run you over. But... They might still run you over, but it's great to have a, it's great to have a, a true-name nemesis in your deck, right, at that right. point? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, upside is, the upside is true-name nemesis for one-colored mana, which is pretty sweet. And it's definitely very good at, I see that big thing you have over there, and I'm going to name that thing's polarity. Right. And if you name even, it's ridiculously hard to kill things with odd number mana costs in this format. It really is. I've, I've, I was just going to say, basically, you have Lava Spell, and you have the one mana, we both, I sacrifice a creature to kill one of your creatures, as the, like, premium odds. But like, Yeah, and one of, the, one of those is not generally something I want to play, and the other one right. isn't common. So, yeah, I put against an Obosh a few games ago, and I just wasn't afraid of my dark creatures dying. Because everything's an on-cost. What's going to happen? Right. Right. You ba you're basically worried about Lava Spell at that point. And maybe the uh, Clash of Titans at five. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a great, that's a good one. Yeah. There, there's so, some stuff, but it, it's weird. So the question is, is this above or below threshold? Uh, and I, I would, I would probably, I personally, my, I, I, you know me, I, I'm once I'm all in on something, I go all in. I'd probably take a Dranus Stinger over this. Yeah. Um and I'm and I, I, I'm aware that I am usually pretty extreme in these things. Yes. I think that so it obviously depends on how far along you are, right? If you are in pack three and you're definitely got there. And it's you know, your your third stinger, and you have two foxes and a valiant rescuer. Yeah. Um, then that's one thing. But you can't you can't just I don't think start the draft that way. And it's also the fact that you might table that stinger. <laughs> well, that's it's less true right now than it was uh, earlier in the week. But sure. Yes. Yes. So it's a rare, it's very powerful. If you end up with some normal deck, you know, the card is very good. Uh, very, very good. And also you sort of, one thing I've noticed is the cycling decks do want a certain amount of just powerful stuff to right. go with the engine. And this helps you get there, right? This is a, a way to have powerful stuff, to deal with powerful stuff while you get where you need to go. So 
I wouldn't take it over the premium stuff, but I would take it over Toronto Stinger. Sure. It's possible that in two weeks I will change my mind. Or in two days. <laughs> it's not crazy. Yeah, but I think I, the difference in power level is extreme. Yeah, I'm already in like total survival mode on the cycling deck. Like if I'm like, I think there's a chance I could be doing that. I am just maybe over prioritizing those cards right now. But uh, yeah. I've been I've been really pushing my my pick order on on anything with cycling one pretty pretty far up the pretty far up the scale. It's also but worth you, noting. But you wouldn't I, take this over an ominous seas, for example. Oh no. I yeah. would not consider taking this over the young cop. Not really. Okay. Not after I mean not at this point. It's okay. worth noting that my pick order is somewhat different than it would be if there was a big prize. Right? Like I don't want to just draft the cycling deck all day. Sure. Every day. So if it's close, I would want to do something different at this point. I've done enough cycling in some sense. Right. Yeah, I would like to hit Mythic and Limited, but not that much. So <laughs> I would yeah, have to I've play been, best of, I would have to play best of one, which I just don't want to do. That's the thing is like I've been vaguely doing it. I think I'm in gold two or one at this point. Yeah, the problem being right. like I really I hate myself when I'm playing best of one instead of best of three. And if I best of three is counted, I'd be at least diamond by now. So, yeah, I've I've won I've won quite a few of my best of threes at this point, or my yeah. my you know my whatever yeah best of three three match drafts, yeah. and they've been treating me very well. Um, Luminous Broodmoth, so <coughs> excuse me, completely bonkers. Two one one two white white for an insect three four. Uh, whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. With a flying counter on it. Yeah, so everything else in your deck lives twice, and the second life has flying. <laughs> and meanwhile, you get a 3-4 flyer. This card is just the bunk. It's the bunker's mythic, right? Like, there's no there's no card you take over this if you have white mana in your deck. Right. Given that it's in the rare slot. It's just not, let's not even talk about it, right? Like, this is <laughs> just ridiculous. I don't care what you're up to. The double white is a consideration, but let's not be stupid. Right. This card is um, very similar to the Nightmare Shepherd uh, from the previous draft format, right? Which was BB2 for a 4-4 flyer, and then whenever one of your creatures died, you could return it as a 1-1, and it still had all of its abilities. And Except now it has all of its abilities plus flying. Plus and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's base stats. <laughs> so the broken rare, the broken card wasn't good enough. So we bumped it up a bit and and we got to the PowerPoint. So it's fine. Like, no, <laughs> not fine. It's not fine at all. Yes. Yeah. I, Nightmare Shepherd was not about attacking for four. That's not what made that card so scary. I have faced this and I have never been in a position where I thought I could have won the game if I hadn't just killed it with a removal spell. Like, you either kill us with a removal spell, they get a free attack, and then either you kill us with a removal spell or the game ends. Like, I don't know what else you can do. How, uh, how, how does your approach to building your deck change if you open on something like a Luminous Broodmoth? Like, what do you start thinking about doing? Uh, well, so the, first, the first thing is it's double white. I am not going to abandon white unless there's literal no way. Right. If they, if they, you have to force me really hard to get out of this. I'm pretty locked in to having a lot of white sources. 
So what I know is I like having a bunch of creatures. I have a really powerful card, which is great. And of course, everything tells you to cycle. Like every time you cycle, one out of 40 times you cycle, you hit this. <laughs> right? One out of 39, the card you cycled wasn't, it wasn't him. So you have a very good chance of hitting Luminous Ridmoff the more you cycle. And so you're even more interested in everything about the cycling deck. It just only makes it a better choice. And then, like, it makes everything better. So it's hard to say. I think you mostly just spend <laughs> yourself, okay, I have, like, my end game. I have my thing. I have my power. I want to make sure that I can round this out, right? So sometimes you're in a draft and you say, my deck doesn't do anything. I need upside. I need something powerful. And then you're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means stretching for a third color or doing something wacky or playing cards that cost too much mana because they're powerful or whatever, you know. Luminous Rhythmoff gets you a long way towards not having those problems. Right. Right. It, it, if, right. If, if the, you know, we talked about, fr we framed our dr draft discussion around commons and uncommons. And a lot of times that's where the war is waged, you and your opponent, right? You know, you're trading off these kind of like, you know, very good but fungible cards. And then, you know, this is like kind of like you, you drop this at the end of that and it's, you have some kind of like really like just, it's almost like the backbreaker. You know, in a, in another, you know, that's what I, I mean. To me, that's the role the rares play, right? Like they just come off the top rope after you've just traded all these resources, try to draw your opponent's removal and counter spells out with less potent creatures. You know, if I mean, assuming everyone has their mana and, and gets to to play a game normally, and then you get to uh, you just get to finish people off. Would you ever play anything like the kind of bad goblin bombardment if you had something like this in your deck? Would you ever like be like, oh, suddenly this card means every one of my creatures I get to use twice or, you know. The, the problem with that strategy is always, it's win more. Because if you have sure. a Luminous Ridmoff, it doesn't die. <laughs> and you can't really start getting advantage the moment it plays because it costs four. So it's very hard to get much use out of Weaponize the Monsters on the spot, right? Because you have right. to have six mana minimum. And it lives. You're going to win the game most of the time anyway, no matter what your other cards are, as long as they're reasonable. It's not clear that Weaponizing the Monsters is substantially better than just another creature right? in that spot. So there's no reason to warp what you're doing for that. I have seen one deck that was very happy to have Weaponized the Monsters, but it had Luris as its companion. <laughs> Ooh. And Weaponized the Monsters with my Garrison Cat and my Luris is kind of sick. Yeah. I mean, you, you you might see that in standard. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think we will, but it wouldn't be the most surprising thing if someone managed. It's a lot of mana to do the thing, right? Yeah, just, yeah. Mana activation is a backbreaker for, yeah. for standard. But for yeah. limited, yeah, there was... I would not have won that match if my opponent had understood how to time things properly. That's sure. certainly true. So. All right. So Luminous Broodmoth... Yes. So that's our, our first above the commons uncommons uh, rare in the set. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of those cards that you just take. You just take this. Yeah. Um, Mythos of Snapdax is next. 2WW Sorcery. Uh, it's basically a cataclysm. Each player chooses an artifact, creature, enchantment, 
and planeswalker from among the non-land permanents they control then sacrifices the rest. Uh, if red and black was spent to cast the spell, so RBWW, uh, you choose the permanents for each player instead, which is obviously a lot more backbreaking. Yeah, uh, I like I like the cataclysm was printed before planeswalker, so it just doesn't say the word planeswalker <laughs> on it. And I'm sad that this card therefore does, but that's just life. Yeah, so there's sort of two modes, right? There's this as Cataclysm, and there's this as Cataclysm Plus. Right. As Cataclysm, I think it's just bad. I think that way too many of your opponents will only care about one of their cards. Right. Effectively, right? They'll care about the, the mutated monstrosity, or they'll care about the big creature, and you will not be able to get that much edge out of this card. Especially in the best of three, where they are aware of it after you play it the first time. And so I don't particularly want to invest a high pick in a card that will often sit in my hand and not do anything useful. Even though it will occasionally save me, it's definitely right. been highly unimpressive when my opponents have played it. And I haven't had the opportunity. If you can pull off the black and the red, that's a different story. Now we're talking about, I get to give you the one one over there. Right. And I keep my thing. And now it's a definitely a good card. But being Mardu in this set is not easy. And white, white, black, red is serious Mardu. I'll also note, by the way, that I saw in Wizards commentary that they were trying to use the Ikorian names for the wedges, not the Khan's names. And we need to make sure nobody ever does this. <laughs> I just want to put out the word right now. No. These wedges have names. They stay what they are. It's bad enough that we ask every new player to memorize all 10 two-color combinations and all three, all three color combinations. So they need 20 names for various color combinations. It's kind of silly. We can't change them every few years. Plus, we have to recognize three arts and two card names for the mythics. <laughs> yeah, the line has to be drawn here. I'm going to be very clear. But this is Mardu. So you, you want to call this Mythos of Mardu? I, I am fine with the card being called Mythos of Snap Decks, but your deck is not a Snap Decks deck. It is a Mardu deck. Decks are always being called by the name of the color combination, or <laughs> even better, by naming the colors. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We like, don't have to go not... to Snap Decks. We can just say, yeah, <laughs> right. White, white, red, white black. black, red. Yeah, and it even gets to tell the order matters, so you're not even wasting words, right? You say the order of priority in your deck if you're paying close attention. It just, it's just, this set has so many words on it all over the place. We need to not make the world even more unfriendly. Oh, I, I hadn't read that. that that's, that's pretty tilting. Yeah, I just want to make it very clear, unacceptable, you will get muted. Snapback like, Sky is very sad. I mean, it's, I have nothing against the Snapdax guy, but, you know, you don't get to just rename this stuff. Uh, and I understand that you don't want to say Mephos of Mardu here because it'd be really weird if they happen to have the same names. I also kind of would have liked it, though, if they'd just done it anyway. <laughs> like, just like, I don't know, they happen to be the same. It's kind of a weird confluence. We don't know why. Like, they're not technically related, but, you know, I, I get the ship has sailed. But I would have I would have tried for it if I was at Wizards at the time. I would have said, no, let's actually use the wedge names. I don't care if they don't accept. Right, right. But like we just keep talking about them that way and we'll all let it go. 
Well, I mean, it, it, like, if you look at these cards, right, these are wall paintings of some, you know, maybe forgotten civilization or long ago time. You know, you certainly could reference, you know, Mardu and Timur and all that um, and not have it, it be of this world. It's not, I, I'm sure the creative team could come up with some planes, you know, maybe Sarkhan in his time traveling came <laughs> yeah, exactly. to plane a long time ago and the name stuck. Yeah, right? it's not it's not very difficult to do. Yeah, um, you can do that. Sarkhan yeah. would love this plane, right? It's full of giant monsters. Kind of bad Sarkhan, actually. Yeah, bad bad news for Sarkhan. Like this was his this was one of his moments, right? Like, come on. But um, yeah. All right. So Mythos of Teamer is next to UU yeah. uh, for a sorcery, create a token that's a copy of target permanent. If red green was spent to cast the spell. Instead, uh, create a token that's a copy uh, of that permanent, except the token has when this permanent enters the battlefield, if it's a creature, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Yeah. My, my brain doesn't understand why the wording is what it is, as opposed to a shorter version, but shrug. Uh, you've you've, you've worked with Alan plenty of times in the past. You totally know why this wording is the way that it is. The difference between I know why that kind of thing happens in general, and I know specifically why that happened on this card. Also, wizards will do, don't want to mislead people in certain ways in a way that we won't. But right. anyway, I see this as I don't want a clone in my deck just to play a clone. Right. Like, I actively don't want this card if I can't kick it, basically. Right? I only want this card if I can pay the red-green pretty often. If I can... Yeah, I'm interested, but just the way the games play out, I don't think that there's this way too often the cards will be tricky to, cop to copy properly. Right. right. They won't actually just be a card on the table that you can copy. There'll be something with a bunch of counters and cards under it and weird stuff, and this is not going to do what you want it to do. Right, and so if you, if you copy a mutated, a mutate stack, you only get the top card, right? Unless the rules have changed, and I, well, I won't know until somebody does it, <laughs> not for sure, right? But it would be very surprising to me if you got anything but the top card. And if you only yeah. get one card, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine decks where I want to have a copy of this card. I can't imagine starting out with this card. Yeah, like if you, look, if I'm, if I'm playing, if I can access all three colors of mana, I only need like, you know, a couple gain lanes from the third color or something is fine, right? Because sometimes it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world, then I'm going to include this card in my deck if I have it. But yeah, this is not a first pick card. Yeah. Right? Certainly not unless you're already into the colors and have a deck that has things that you want to copy. At which point, I can see it, but I'm pretty skeptical. Yeah. How, how about C-Dash or Octopus? One UU for a 2-2 two -two. Octopus with Flash. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card and it has mutate one you so this card's already all over standard we're, we're seeing this in in a in a lot of different decks um and has sort of revitalized the blue skies deck somewhat now that they get like eight uh draw card uh boosts yeah this card feels like a card that i look at it and i'm like well if, if this card ends up being good i'm just not going to enjoy this at all <laughs> like, I'm going to enjoy playing with, with it sometimes, but 
just these games are gonna be so miserable where you just slap down on turn two and you start drawing cards and like but it gives you a lot of play it's a very powerful card and it also with a two mana mutate which in limited means you can enable mutate effects to trigger again right. very easily at instant at, speed at, at flash speed yeah yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, I've been very happy with this card so far. Um, this card it's funny. I, I love the art too. It's like one of my favorite pieces of art in the set, and uh, it's one of the cards that has the alternate, like, kind of like comic booky line art. And I actually think that the regular art does a better job of being cartoony and colorful than the line art. I actually like the. I prefer this version to the line art version, which is actually not the case with a lot of the other uh, similarly treated cards in this set. Yeah, I can sort of intellectually appreciate what this art is doing, and I like it much more than I would like most things of this type. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely not what I want my most of my magic cards to look like, but I can certainly appreciate it. In terms of play, if you are playing the blue-green deck, this seems like an amazing card, right? You've got, right. you're able to mutate, you can put it on a big creature once it's unblocked. You can play it end step, untap, and attack after holding on a counter spell. You can do any number of things. So I'm very excited. In yeah. like the cycling deck that just happens to have blue mana, much less excited, right? The double blue and the casting cost is going to be annoying. The mutate targets are going to be far, few and far between. It's going to be not that great. And I'm kind of sour. I've been souring rapidly on the consistency of the mutate strategy so i don't particularly want to start here i feel like yeah. it's sort of too much of a commit if i want this card to be good as opposed to just meh it's also almost certainly great in the demure deck that i just never drafted right the blue black flash oh yeah absolutely I, I i haven't drafted that either i mean to me the one downside of this card is that there's just not a ton of flying in this set the other drawback is just the one drops are not great in general, right? right? Yeah. Mysterious Egg obviously turns into a 3-3 three, three on turn two, attacking for a card. That's great. Uh, if you target pretty much anything else that's a one-drop, you're not getting much out of it, I think. Yeah, I, I'm probably at the point where I, I haven't... I've only played against this card. I, I don't think I've drafted one. Uh, I would probably pick one pretty highly right now just to try it out and certainly have had mutate decks where I would have slammed it. Um, but, but I, I don't think, I think I would be know that I was giving up on one or two decks that I prefer, like early on in the draft, you know, if there's a deck that I know exists out there, I might feel like I'm giving up on something pretty powerful to try this out. Yeah, I would definitely draft it, but I wouldn't feel obligated. It's also one of these things where if you end up in blue without the support, it's just a flash creature that attacks for a card. Right. Which is with them upside if something random happens. That's true. I do, I do play Thieving Otters all the time. Yeah, this is the world's best Thieving Otter. Yeah, actually, I probably, actually, I probably, I probably, I probably take this higher than I'm, I, I take Thieving Otters embarrassingly high. Uh, you know, this, this should probably be pretty, pretty high for me. Yeah, whereas I don't want anything to do with Thieving Otter at this point. I just, I understand that you can do that. I just have not found that to be a place I want to be. Have you gotten but, a Porky Parrot on a Thieving Otter yet? 
Parrot? Thieving, Thieving Otter does not say combat damage. Oh, a parrot. No, I have not parroted. Sorry, I thought that meant <laughs> that. That was a metaphor. It's literally just parrot. I will move it up if I, if I have the thing, but that's yeah. just not places I, it's not places I naturally go. I, I'm very low on parrot compared to my rivals, so my rival is drafted first, yeah. right? I don't actually get to take it. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, this is still, to me, below my threshold. Yeah. I, I, I certainly, if I saw a fox or uh, ominouses or a valiant rescuer or even uh, the, the red white, you know, lightning rift dude. Uh, those are all cards I might want before I want something like this. Yeah, Fox is also probably the best mutate target. Right? If you play Fox on turn one on the play, yeah. turn two, you mutate onto Octopus, and now you're just sitting on a bunch of second card, and you're like, come and, <laughs> come and get me. Gosh, people just don't get it. I, I attack and do a 2-2 on turn two, and somebody blocks me today. Oh, that's... That is, that is, that is someone who is not... Uh, Part, not participating in the current paradigm of I always have two one mana cyclers. Yeah, it's like you think I'm bluffing? Really? <laughs> no. I mean, plus you, you know, could have any number of other tricks. I mean, you don't really care if it's a trick, right? The, the theory of maybe cycling two, two cycling two card, you force the cycling two, you trade, you're really happy. But no, that's not <laughs> what's going on. I wouldn't dare. This card's too valuable. Like yeah. this is not yeah. All right. Now on to the now on to the uh, a card that's very clearly above our threshold. Yes. Sharp. Uh, I, I think by the way, I think this might be um the best card in the set. I certainly I think I made my top ten. You know, we're excluding companions, of course. You know, from that. Well, I, gotcha. How about this? How about this? Once all the bannings in standard are done. I think this may end up being the best card in the set. I mean, it's currently the engine behind the one non-companion deck that's competitive. Right? The Wilderness Reclamation deck is now a Shark Typhoon deck in addition to an explosion expansion explosion deck. Right. Which is how it's getting away from you play Teferi and I lose because you can now use the Wilderness Reclamation truck to get right mana and cycle with it. Right. And, and, and just in general, you can also, um, on four or five mana kill a Teferi out of nowhere uh, with, with a, you know, cycling into a shark when you shouldn't be able to do anything at the end of your opponent's turn. Correct. Or you can sometimes just play it for six mana and then go to town. Yeah. Do, oh, not, yeah. do not just count that this has a casting cost. <laughs> and right. That's a very, very good card. It's, it might well end up being the most impactful card in the set other than that stuff. There's some cards that I think are clearly waiting for Companion Fever to die down, waiting for Luris to not be everywhere. Right. Because they're just too slow right now. Like, everyone has to be playing both ones and two drops in some form, unless they're fires. Right. Basically. Yeah, I, I think every I think every non-weenie blue deck, like not every, you know, like not like Flyer or, you know, like kind of Fish kind of deck, that you see in blue. I think every like mid-range and control blue deck will eventually have three or four copies of Shark Typhoon. It wouldn't surprise me if Shark Typhoon got very, very popular. It wouldn't it might make vintage. Like this card is very good. Yeah. Well, this this card is basically Eternal Dragon meets Decree of Justice. 
right? Like cards that were ubiquitous in all white mid-range and control decks for as long as they were available to people. It's a very reasonable card on both ends. Yeah. So I am definitely... And in limited, it is unbelievable. Oh, in limited, it's just a joke, right? It's... You cycle this thing to get like a three or three or four four flyer, ambush something, and untap, and where you wasted it. Right. Yeah. Because maybe you should have tried to cast it for six mana or hold that for a bigger creature. Like maybe that wasn't worth it. Right. And that's how good this card is. Yeah. And you got that wall cycle. You got a card out of it anyway. Yeah. Like that was the free. No, the card is bonkers. Yeah. Like, I've had I've had this card in a I had this card in a Yorian deck that had four of one minds. Two or three cathartic reunions, multiple anticipates, and a bunch of other card drawing. So, like, even once I drew into this, I still had plenty of gas in the tank to just draw cards and find more draw cards and just make flyers. It was this card is fabulous. There aren't many cards that you think, well, is Yorian worth it? I don't want to have 20 extra cards in my deck. The Shark Typhoon is one of them, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I just don't play the Orion. Don't get me wrong. I play the Orion. I, yeah. I, I definitely do it anyway. But, I would have some pause, but yeah, best card so far, better than Luminous Bread Moth, which is saying which is which is saying a substantial amount. And by by the way, this also doesn't preclude you from being the cycling deck. <laughs> no, not at all. It even has cycling, right? It has a second yeah. two on it as like a weird escape mode if it comes to that. Right. It's not what you're doing, but yeah, it's it counts as an extra payoff card in the cycling deck just because it's a stupid card, right? Like, so if you just want to have a critical mass of stuff, your payoff is you find this card by cycling. Right. And then you get paid off. Right, exactly. And, and, you find, and the thing about rares in this set, because of cycling, if you have a bomb rare, if you have a shark typhoon, if you have a luminous brood moth, you find them and the mana to cast them so much more consistently. Yeah, we like, don't... when you can get a bomb rare, they are so much more powerful. Yes, you get you see them so much more often. I like if you start the draft, like the last draft I started with uh, the Abzan Apex, right? And it's like, well, yeah, I have this most game because that's how game works now, <laughs> right? Even without blue or red in my deck, I still have a ton of cyclers because I want right. to put this into my graveyard so I can get them back. And wow, there he is again! How'd that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I start like around turn five or turn six, I start doing deck check, deck size checks to make sure I'm like, okay, where am I? How, how, how many turns do I have before I am going to deck myself? (laughs) What, you know, like, so you, you really do go through, you do go through your cards at, at, at a much, much higher rate in this format than, than even previous limited formats. I mean, even previous cycling formats. I view that mostly as lupus, as in the house principle that it's never lupus. Like, you're not actually going to deck yourself if you do your sure. job right. But okay. you have to think about it. I definitely had, have had some games where it's like, okay, I need to cycle enough cards to tap all of these creatures for two consecutive turns. Am I going to deck myself doing that? No. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, like so, yeah, I, I, I have this. Yeah, I think this is one of this, – this is certainly a short list of cards. You open this card, you slam this card into your deck. You're you you pack two or three, and you're not blue, and you open this card. You probably still slam this card into your deck. I think there is no scenario where I would look at Shark Typhoon and not take it. 
I could be wrong. There might be a scenario where I have a very dedicated deck with no mana fixing in two other colors or three other. Especially maybe if I have a three color deck with no mana fixing or something, or very little, right. three other colors, and I can't make this happen. And there are uncommons I would take over it, but it takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I have I have yet to pass one, uh, and have have yet to regret picking one. So yeah, I think if you if you don't take it, it's because something you draft previously you did something weird. Very weird. Like that just not be blue. Right. So next All up right. we have Voracious Great Shark. Yeah, this is the Jaws card. Three UU for a five-four flash creature. Uh when it enters the battlefield, counter target artifact or creature spell. I am always very happy to have this card in my deck. There's the caveat that it is double blue. Yep. And often my blue decks do not have that much access to double. Right. It's not that reliable, but it is a five drop, so you have some time. I have, uh, I have found that my, my the, fail, the fail rate of my cycle, if I start off on a cycling deck, is that I end up being some sort of blue-red deck that is uh, a hybrid of cycling and card drawing. And this is, a, this is a fine card for me. Basically what ends up happening is I take a couple red cards, Maybe I've speculated on a white card, one of the white enablers in the cycling deck, one of the white payoffs. And then somewhere around sixth or seventh pick in the draft, there's not really anything for that deck, but there's an essence scatter. I'm yeah. like, why is essence scatter going sixth or seventh pick? This card's fantastic. It's I mean, like, I've just I've yet to find a ceiling on essence scatters for a deck in in you know in any of my drafts. So I'll take this essence scatter speculatively. And then I end up, you know, at the end of pack, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm blue-red. And then something like Voracious Great Shark will push me over. But I, I don't know that I would start on Voracious Great Shark. I'm happy to start on Voracious Great Shark. I think it's above the commons. Yep, I agree with that. I would I would not take a Dranith Dren Stinger over this. Yes. Is that your top common now? It is, sir. I mean, uh, my top common is probably imposing Phantasaur in terms of quantity. Not, not quantity drafting, <laughs> but like if you had to pick a, what common you're starting the draft with, where I am, are you? I am very, very happy to start with Dranith Stinger. I, I would like a Fire Prophecy, but I, I just, I don't see them as often because they do tend to get, you know, you don't, you don't see them in subsequent packs as much. Yeah, but Dranith that's right. Stinger I mean, I, certainly I, I, Fire Prophecy, my favorite. I think Fire Prophecy is clearly the best comment, even for the cycling deck. Yes, I agree. That card is just too bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But, All right, so uh, we agree that Great, yeah. so we agree Great Shark is, we're very happy with Great Shark. It's not over the threshold, but it's close, right? Yeah. It's not, not, it's not that far behind. You're, you are not going to be unhappy with this card uh, if you get a chance to play with it. Right, you know what I mean? Like, if you if you have blue in your deck and you know two blue on turn five or six is is not outrageous, you're not going to be unhappy with this. Yeah, my mind turns to this has neither island home nor flying. What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is I I love this card. Uh, how how do you feel about dirge bat as we move on to the black rares of which there's only four? Yeah. Dirge Bat... I guess there's only four of each of them. No, it's worth noting in the most recent R&D 
post. This was the most talked about card by play design in the set. Interesting. And that's a constructive consideration. So it's really weird because I, my opinion on it constructed was I'm going to reach for this card and think it's a playable in some decks that I think it will see some play. Like I'm going to draft this card, you know, the fourth round of the NFL draft when it really should go for the sixth round. <laughs> I think, I think I want to make sure I get it in my list, but I know it's a reach. Right. And yeah, this card is very, very good. Right? Like if it's just flash flying three, three for four, that's fine. It's not that impressive, but if you can mutate onto this, or even you can mutate with this at instant speed, you get a banishing every time. That's pretty great. The problem with this card is its mana cost. It's double black on both sides. Right. And the chances I want to be able to do that are not high. And black only has one mutate creature that you see commonly, right? The menace creature, the 4 4. Right. The one so, that mutates discard a card? Yes. So, and also that's sort of an awkward spot, right? You get both mutate triggers, which are both great. You're combining a 4 4 and a 3 3, and you, you, know, you have flying and menace, and like it's just not that additive. Right. You have a, you know, you just attack for four, and it's like, okay. You know, um, so it's, it's not as good as you'd like it to be there. So, this card in many ways is looking for some help, but if it has. The help if you're playing Demur, Flash, if you're playing Green Black, and you're serious about your black, then this card becomes you know very, very good. It becomes one of the better cards in the set, effectively. I, right? I, I, I have had some I, I've had some success with kind of like it's not quite the blue black flash deck so much as a blue black control deck where you have a bunch of essence scatters and a bunch of whatever the banishing effects are. And you basically kind of have this top end of a handful of mutate creatures, you know, maybe a wing Terran to, to put them on the, the Kevlar egg basket. And you just kind of take control of the game. Maybe you have like a couple of Lord Dracuses that you can, grow back either essence scatter or removal or discard or um and i i i found that deck to be you know like there's a couple drafts where it's like wow okay my cycling deck didn't work out oh okay maybe i'll be red blue oh wow the red is just not coming around here and i've ended up in that kind of like blue black or blue black splash uh you know some of my red removal or splash a green card or um and, and and I found that deck to be like great, but it's never where I want to end up, right? It's it is definitely hard mode. To yeah, it's a plan. It's a plan C. It's a plan yeah, C. Yeah. Quite and I've been very happy to have a dirge bat in that deck. <laughs> well, dirge bat is a dirge bat is a great card in any deck with eight plus black swords, right? If you can cast them, and you'll play it with six. But if you can cast this, you're very happy to have it, even if the mutate situation is mediocre. But you know, like, if you open this in the pack, are you going to draft it? Because to me, there's a greater than 50% chance that I will not be able to support this card if I start the draft. It's just so hard to get double black to go in a way that I'm happy with. So if I have a chance to start with one of the uncommons that we're talking about, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to take this. 
is definitely below the threshold at the start of the draft. If I'm in a position where I already have black as my as an available option, this jumps up much higher uh, and it jumps up to near the top if I actually have mutation to black. Right. If I'm a deck full of great horns and stuff, like I'm all over this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I like I said, I'm not. I'm not unhappy. I just don't want to. I, I would. I, I don't necessarily want to start here. But I, I have. I have definitely first picked it overall in a in a draft and not hated it. Yeah, I, the, I card, the card. The card has required more work than what I want out of a first pick. Correct. I think that if you stare true. at this, in, yeah, if you stare at this versus Fire Prophecy, right? <laughs> I think you take this and you're kind of sad about it. Right. Is my instincts right you sort of feel morally obligated to take the dirge uh, bad it's a card but you probably should take the fire prophecy uh, i think i i think i'm probably at the point where i just take the fire prophecy and hope that i get past a red cycler it, it, on arena i would take the dirge bat because you know come on let's not be <laughs> not just the same thing every time and a pro tour i would take dirge bat. i would i would take fire prophecy like if, if okay. people were if people weren't like radically adjusting their pickle because it's broken right so, uh, yes. Okay, guy. What were you going to say? Extinction event. Right. Yeah. Three B for a sorcery. Choose odd or even. Exile each creature with converted mana cost of the chosen value. This card's sweet. More, I've seen more of this in disruptive than I expected. Yeah, I thought there might be some. I've seen more than I would have expected by a significant amount. Well, and it's it just become, it's become an automatic like Fay of Wishes deck inclusion. You know, out of the sideboard, it's it's you know sometimes just this card just shines. I, I've seen people granting for this quite a bit. It's just exactly what you want some portion of the time because <laughs> their creatures all match and yours might not. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, in in limited, there's a very very good chance you will get to wreck someone with this. You will at least use a good as a solid removal spell most of the time, and right. occasionally you will destroy them. Right. I, uh, yeah. I, def- I actually have this card pretty, value this card pretty highly. If this was I, any other color, it would be better than the uncommons for sure. <laughs> so, but you, you, would, you would not take this over a value rescuer. No. Value rescuer is bonkers. This card is very good, but not bonkers, given I have to move to black to support it. Yeah, it's just, I think in my gut about passing Valiant Wanderer here and like Valiant Rescuer here, and I just am not going to do it. And See, the funny thing is, I kind of feel like I go to the I go to the mode of put them in the arena, and like assuming you know you have like Denrith Stinger, Valiant Rescuer, and two tokens, and I draw my Extinction event. That's awesome. I mean, I it's a very good card against the Cycling Deck. Cycling Deck, you name even. Yes. And you get a lot of stuff pretty often. You you might have to worry about Marmadets and Foxes being odd. Yes. Yeah, you, gonna you're work. gonna have to you're gonna have to find a way in your black deck to deal with a Marmoset or a Fox as well. But like I feel like I feel like this is this is the leveler you're looking for against the the cycling decks. Yes. So again, it's it, it's it's the kind of card that's I am not at all unhappy to start my draft this way. I could be happier. <laughs> <laughs> and we know what makes you happy. Cycling. Right. 
you can contrast the elephant to nightmare, right? The next card, it's uh, one black, black menace, four, five. They're great numbers. You know, yeah, terrific. Battlefield opponent puts a death touch counter on a creature they control. This card is very good. I have had a significant number of games where my opponent put this out turn three on an empty board. And suddenly they had a creature that was way too big for the situation. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it, require, it requires... I mean, at worst, they have to two-for-one themselves to kill it, you know, with, with, in combat. Because this has menace. Yeah, even if you have death on one of the creatures, you still have to throw two things in the way most of the time. Right. And die. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, right. how, yeah. uh, but BB1 obviously is a casting cost that you're not necessarily looking to be in based on, you know, how you've rated black cards and what, you know, things we've been already talked about in this, in this episode. So where, where does this card fall for you? It's a trap. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> Blackout trick. I mean, it's just not impactful enough that I am, I have, I have sacrificed picks too many times for this card. Let me say exactly how many, but it's every time I picked it. So, <laughs> uh, so zero. Okay, so there's apparently zero times, but I. Oh, oh that's right. I've taken, the, I've taken the three three. The um, that gets two abilities, right? Which is a very similar situation. Right. Several times, and it's every time I it, in fact, I just wasted a pick because the card was just so much more powerful than everything else available, and I felt like I had to take it. But just you know what, a black source is to pull this off. And if you have to wait to cast it, your death touch is meaningful. Right. Way more often, and it's no longer that amazing. Because, like, if you cast this on turn six, you could have had a regular big creature. And now you're just giving them death touch. And So, <laughs> yeah, prove to me that I'm black, and then I'll be excited by this card. But right. not the other way around, is my attitude. Okay. This is too much. Yeah, I, I've, I've been, I, I think I, I've had a similar... I've definitely slammed this card early in the format and just not even looked in that card in the card's direction uh, over the last couple days. Uh, even, even in decks where I've ended up being black and have not regretted passing it, right? Like, I, I feel pretty good about, you know, looking in another direction and then where I ended up which still was not going to be a deck that would reliably go, you know, black, black on turn three, which is where I think you want this card. Yeah, I think this is, you're probably sadder than you realize because you push someone into black or heavier black. Sure. But yeah, I'm definitely fine with not having this card around. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mythos of Nithroi. And this is the Abzan Mythos. To yes. be, for an instant, destroy target non-land permanent if it's a creature. Or if green-white was spent to cast this spell. So this is a huge cut above the previous Mythoses that we've talked about. Because, yes. first of all, Abzan is a thing. Right? Like, it's a, it's a reasonable thing to do. It makes sense for the format to do that. And it has much better mana. Right? Playing three colors of green is a lot easier. Right. And the black is splashable here, right? You don't need, like, you can splash any number of these colors. And if all you do is cast it for its base cost and don't get the kicker, you probably get the spell you wanted anyway. 
Little right. things I, you want to show are in fact creatures. I, I've had it in Obzon, and I'm like, man, I wish I had something better to kill than their best creature. Oh, well. <laughs> you know? Real shame that you have a dark vanishing in your deck, you know? Right. Yeah, things die to doom blades. It's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. This, is a, this is a happy first pick for sure. I am still going to say I don't know if this is better than Fire Prophecy, right? Because wow. two mana, two, for two mana, Fire Prophecy in the right color kills both of the things, and the put a card on, on the bottom thing is a big game. So I think it's close between those kind of cards. Sure. Basically, you know, the non-land permanent thing not being a creature sometimes is a nice bonus, but I'm not that thrilled again, because most of the time you just want a creature even if you have it. So, you know, definitely not going to cross the thresholds. It's close to the top of the commons, right? It's a round of fire prophecy. Right. But, it's, but you're not going to, you're never going to take this over a build around uncommon that you want to build around. Oh, God, no. no. Yeah. And I just, I'm just happy to have it, but, you know, yeah. not, not, it's not a top tier thing. Yeah, that, that's how, that's how I've, I mean, I'm always happy to have this in my, any deck that has access to black. Uh, you know, but it, but it's also um, somewhat replaceable. Yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get the the four mana dark vanishings. You're gonna get the you know easy prey. You're gonna you're gonna have some. You're gonna be able to replace this effect. Whereas there are some cards, you know, whether it's a flourishing fox or an ominous seas or some other like kind of like high end payoff card for a cycling deck that you, you just don't get multiple looks at anymore. Yeah, that's right to me. Yeah. Um, okay. So Everquill Phoenix, 2RR for a 4-4 four, four flyer. Uh, and then it has, whenever this mutates, create a red artifact token named Feather with one sacrifice Feather, return target Phoenix card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Tapped. I uh, I I slam this card every time I see it. This is one of those cards that you should, in fact, pony up for the Godzilla version. It is just very cool. <laughs> I will point that out right now. Like, I'm actually going back to Arena because I just want to look at the Godzilla version while we talk. It's kind of cool. Yeah, destroy a perfect life form. Right, so much better. Or, yes. Uh, yeah, this is this is better than the Uncommons, I think. Yeah. Um, or rather, this card is always good in every situation in every deck that has the red mana and can be splashed into card decks where you wouldn't necessarily think I could do it, but I can do it. Whereas Peglin right. cards are forcing you down a specific path, even if it's the path you probably want in the current environment. And so, you know, it's not obvious which way, to, I mean, is this better than one of the top uncommons in the actual deck. Well, the problem is that in the actual deck, you won't necessarily be able to mutate this on turn four. Sure. And then you're just casting a 4-4 flyer reasonably often. And I have no complaints. Like, I want a certain number of those types of powerful cards in that deck. But it's not going to have the same draw as one of the payoff cards. If that actually happens. But yes, if I, if I, I'm not going to not pick Destroya to start the draft. Right. Yeah, I... I... I, I probably, I mean, 
I'm not unhappy to have this in my red white cycling deck. I start to think about red blue spells quite a bit with this, or even red black kind of kill everything uh, kind of deck. But uh, yeah, this is this is, and this card this card's for that. And if you just if you ever get to mutate with it, you know it's just you know very powerful. It just continues to come back and. You know, the thing that's also, so let's just say you get like, you know, you have a creature, you mutate this on top of it, it, it sticks, you get a feather token. Next turn, you know, you can, you know, if you mutate something else, you get another feather token. So you, you have like yeah. multiple buybacks of the Everquill Phoenix, which you can, you know, then trade in combat with something or, you know, be continue to be attacking with or... It, it's it's just a it's just a very very um, resilient card uh, in a way that a lot of mutate cards are not. I think that's right. I would also add that I would be thinking green when I see this card, even though I'm not normally a fan of green red because it doesn't do anything for the most part. Right. Because the mutate cost is only one red mana. Sure. I can play a deck that has red as a splash. Right. Oh yeah. But I want to keep myself open to maybe I'm not that serious about red. And I have frequently had this card very difficult to pay RR two for when I've had you know on the occasions that I've the two occasions I've had it and it's been an amazing card. So, All right. Worth noting. Yeah. Oh, that, that's yeah. that's a great point. I mean, really paying. I, I think people don't pay enough attention to the mutate costs because there are cards you can take. Um, so, you know, we've, we've talked about Lord Dracus as a card, right? And, you know, people feel like because it has blue, red, and the cast cost, if you're not both of those colors, you can never play that card. But, you know, you can be, play it in a deck that can make red, red, or a deck that can make blue, blue, and it does not have to make both, right? That might, I'm not saying whether or not you want to do that. I know this is not a card you really care for, but just to, just to make that example, you know, you can play it in a blue-black deck, or you can play it in a, you know, red-green deck, you know, or, or whatever, and do whatever cool thing you're doing with your returning your spells. Um, so, you know, paying more attention to the mutate costs. I, I like that point, that this is a very easy splash, even though it says red-red uh, on the top right corner of the card. Yeah. The way I think of it is, if you can never play a card for its real casting, for its full casting cost, right, you always have to mutate it, you should be pretty skeptical that, that you're doing the right thing. Like with the way you built your deck and the way you draft it. Something probably went wrong. Right. And you should consider not playing this card. But you can have like three sources of the other color, right? For our Lord Rockets. Because you don't actually intend to cast it normally very often. I, that, yes, that is, that's absolutely true, right? You, you certainly want to have some gain lands or, you know, if you're a cycling deck and you're playing a couple of crystals, you know, maybe you want to be able to find that mana source that way in a pinch or something. Evolving wilds in one copy of an island. Yeah, I agree. Uh, how do you feel about Luca Copper Coat Outcast? Three My RR. number one constructed card pick blind in the set that wasn't a companion to, be, to note. Right. Okay. Um, I've seen some rumblings, but it hasn't made its splash yet. There. Right. 
Um, I actually have some ideas about this. I think it's actually possibly a card you splash in the skies, by the way. Okay. Because you're already splashing for your double red companion, in theory, with the same casting cost. But you could very easily have a deck where everything costs three, or it costs one, or it costs seven. Right? It's a giant 7-7 seven, seven flying lifelink creature. And so you would have Luca be like, okay, reasonably often, I'm just going to turn one of my creatures into a 7-7. Seven, seven with lifelink. And that seems like at least an interesting thing for the sideboard, if not for the main. So I'm very curious to slot that into that deck I posted and see what happens. Uh, also, there's obvious decks where you just go straight up to the, the top, right? You get a level limit trampler, or you get Enmaze Forerunner Preserve, something crazy, and you just try to win the game. But uh, in Limited, this card is weird AF. Because yeah, that, that's been my experience with it. it it's good, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not dominating in a way that you want a Planeswalker to be. If you take the minus two ability off of it for the moment, right, before we talk more, just like, just like Arena cuts off the, the last line, you literally can't see it. Like, you, there's no way to tell what the, what the ultimate does on Arena, as far as, like, as Martin User reported. But yeah. if you just take the minus two aside for a moment, and just look at the plus one and the minus seven, uh, the minus seven's a pretty good effect that you're happy to threaten. Not necessarily game ending, but pretty good if you can keep them alive anyway. The plus one, if they can't kill him, he's going to let you just keep casting cards forever, basically. Right, three cards per turn get exiled. So I'm definitely gonna pay five mana for this. It goes to six he goes to six loyalty immediately. That's kind of annoying to get rid of in this format most most of the time. So I'm definitely playing this card. I'm happy to play this card. Yeah. And there's the minus two. The problem with the minus two is of course in limited, the thing you want to do is face your curved mana costs all over the place. And you have a bunch of weird mutate creatures that you want to do weird things with. And Luca just doesn't care about any of that and says you're just you're just ruining all this fun. What Luca wants you to do is jump directly from like a two, three, or four casting cost where you have a lot of things all the way to something huge, like a greater sandbox. Right. And if you can pull that off, if you can have nothing in the five and six slots, basically. Nothing in the five slot, nothing in the four slot other than Luca and some spells and a lot of threes, or alternatively no threes and a lot of twos, or like a lot of cyclers up top and only like one three or something that you might hit but probably won't. You can get a lot of payoff out of those. Right. But it's hard to work. Um, but like to give you an idea of the power of this card, the last time I drafted it, I had no other red cards in my pile. And it was, I ended up cutting him, but it was close. Okay. <laughs> And I had a various pedaling, migratory path, migration path, et cetera, into some, into some fatties. So I, I was reasonably close to living some dreams. And he would have been the best card in my deck, probably, if he was, you know, green or black or white. But I just couldn't spare multiple mountains to try and make this happen. It was just really awkward. I just let it go. I'm like, my deck is good enough. I don't need to make this risk. It's fine. But, yeah, the problem is the decks that want to run this don't want to be ready. Right, red is not the right color for Luca. Like you see this in all the Luca builds that I've ever had, which is Luca's like the only red card in all of those decks. <laughs> right, what does red want to do that Luca supports? 
nothing in limited or constructive, like nothing that Red is good at is relevant to putting a giant monster into play like this right. in a way that we're excited by. Like maybe, what, you, you want to aim for Yadaro? Like what's, what's even happening? Like, I, mean, I guess you could set up something with like an Everquill Phoenix, but I mean that's two rares. Uh, I, I don't even know. Everquill Phoenix doesn't get you, you. You get you go to Everquill Phoenix, you just get a four four flyer. It doesn't even, you have to mutate it now. Like to get a to get a token, it's not exciting. Right. Like you want something. Like, you want Raider Sandworm or the you know the eleven eleven Godzilla or some other giant hard to block creature. I'm I'm pretty like, happy to to hit a Cogla the Titan Ape. Yeah, there's options. Yeah. Look, I, I'm going to slam this card if I see it. Where, 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 will, where will you slam it, though? Like, what do you have? You have this certainly over the commons. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, do you have it over I, all the uncommons? Yeah, I think you have to. I think you just have to say, I'm going to play this. I'm going to plus it. If I untap, I have six cards to choose from. And if the deck gets there, I can minus it. Or I can minus it on some casting costs, right? I can always know there are places, and sometimes they like put a pacifism on something or a capture sphere, right? And then you just have to sacrifice effect. Yeah, and then pot luck happens, right? You might hit your biggest creature, <laughs> and you can always put a bunch of greater sandworms in your deck. Like no, really, you really can. Like they're basically free. <laughs> that card is so underrated right now. I yeah, I have I have a lot of those. I'm um, moving towards Peter Sandwich to be in my deck when I don't have any green sources sometimes. Let's just put it that way. Wow. Just because uh, I have ways to get into play, right? And I just, like, this is a free action. Do you have a Greater Sandworm over the 5-5 five, five Haster? Not if I don't, not if I'm actively, like, unsure what I'm doing. Like, okay. you know, obviously if I intend to be red, I love Having a five five haster, I can splash the five five haster very easily. It's that the sandworm is in fact a key ingredient in these reanimation style decks. Right. Actually, reasonably important to some people. So it's a five five though. Like if I get a five five out of those reanimations, I'm pretty happy too. So it serves the same purpose. Right. I'm, I'm definitely happy to pick either them up in an otherwise not exciting pack. Um, right. I. Definitely have had to pick some greater sandworms very early and then got the three. Yeah, because I wasn't sure I was going to get there and then I got there and then I kept going. There. Like, okay, sure, I'll get there. I'll get there some more. That's fine. Uh, then you just have this great flexibility, right? You have all of these seven sevens that, like, when you're just light on mana, you just get rid of. And when you're not, you just bury people. Anyway, Mythos of, Vard of, of Vandrock. AKA right? Mythos of Jeskai. Yes, Mythos of Jeskai. Two RR. Uh, sorcery deals five damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. Uh, and if blue and white was spent to cast a spell until your next turn, those permanents can't attack or block and their activated abilities can't be activated. This is another one of those there where it looks like the kicker is going to do useful things and occasionally it will win you the entire game, but mostly you just want to kill things. Right. Right. And mostly dead, this is just like leave. kill two creatures. Yeah. This is kill one the two kill one big or two small creatures for four mana and you're ecstatic to have it. Right? right. It's just a it's a rumbling rock slide you can split. Right. But I guess I guess in the late game, this then becomes uh, essentially you pay you you've gone through these great hoops to pay the kicker 
and you get a falter. Yes, if you want a falter, you can get a falter sometimes. <laughs> and there definitely are games where it'll be great. Or you can do like four to this to kill it and then one to this to shut it off. Right. And it's amazing. Right? right. You kill the big thing and then you slow down the other big thing or whatever. So yeah, I would definitely put some effort into getting the cast, get, getting getting the kicker available. Yeah. But more to the point, it's just it's an amazing card, even if you don't get that. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I have I have never kicked this and I've never cared. Yes. And so that raises the question of, you know, even a very good removal spell, like, is it good enough? And I think it is. I, I think it is. I, I, the the ability to just take go you know, to get a two for one this cheaply or a one for one on something that is, you know, big and harder to kill with Red's other weapons is I just I always want this card. Yeah, I think that if it was pack three and I knew I had gotten there, I would take the uncommon. Sure. So I, 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 right. I think I think if you right, I think if your deck is sort of to come together and you kind of look, you're like, okay, I've got a I've got a fair amount of removal, I've got two rumbling rock slides, I don't have good cycling payoffs. Um, but I have a lot of cycling, you you you're gonna certainly more highly prioritize the cycling payoff, right? Or yeah. the you know, or the or the the sort of card that's going to let you win. Yeah. Um, but but this this is this is a card that's always going to make your deck if you're red. Yeah, yeah. So I I have this I have this above. I have this above the commons and uncommons in a way that uh, the mythos of Nithroi didn't necessarily get above everything for me. Yeah, it's hers. Uh, I'm going to lean heavily on you for the next card because I have not, I haven't played with this card yet. I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it was fun as hell. So I played Unpredictable Cycle for five mana. I untapped and then I cycled like four things and suddenly I had a bunch of three sixes and other stuff in play, right? Because I was playing the cycling deck and it has cycling. I think if it didn't have cycling, it would be terrible, right? Yes. There's a lot of games where this is not what you want. And you will, in fact, also run out of cycling because before you cycled and you got more cyclers. Now you cycle and you get a spell. But then you cast your spell and now you don't have any cards in your hand anymore. You can't cycle it. That's not where you wanted to be, right? Come on. So I would say sort of this is a great card if your payoffs suck. Is a good way of putting it, right? If you're in a cycling deck and you couldn't find enough of the cards that reward you for just cycling endlessly, but you have a lot of cyclers, then it's great to have the option to go into unpredictable cycling mode. And it's certainly much, much better than a lot of generic cycling twos that you might play in a pinch because the option value is high. If you're behind on board, you play this on turn five, and on turn six, you're going to have a pretty interesting board of unknown cards. <laughs> um, it's also worth noting that if you know you have it, you can make your average hit much better. Like, Greater Sandworm loves this card. Yes. Yes, it does. So if you can afford to not play cards you don't want to hit, then this gets a lot more interesting. Right. And you you could also, let's just say, you had Unpredictable Cyclone, um, two om an Ominous Seas, and a couple Pacifisms in your deck. You know, you you basically know at some point that you can cycle ominous seas for a pacifism. 
Yes, I mean, obviously, you get to have one. you get to have packages of card types. Yeah, if you hit this and it's no longer in your deck, which means that now you know it can be turned into a passive zone. And it's like one thing is you have to memorize your deck. You have this right. You have to memorize your entire deck. This is actually important. You have to know exactly what everything can hit because you will have drawn half your deck. You want to know what's left in it, and when you start cycling, you will often run out of the stuff. And it's really bad to cycle something instead of casting it and get nothing. Sure. Right, unless you got a lot of triggers. So be very careful with that. Um, it's also worth asking if this is a constructed card, potentially. I mean, it, it, it feels like a Zv card in, in, a, in a lot of classic ways. You know, it, it reminds me of like, not, not, not on power level, but it reminds me in some ways of something like Dream Halls. It reminds me about, you know, just the fluctuator deck, right? This just feels like the type of card that you're going to build and do something with like these discrete packages of cycling cards that no other deck is playing. And it's going to do something really, really super clever and, and, and rule breaky. Yeah. I mean, one possibility is to not ask too many questions, right? If you get to, you can put this in the quote unquote, nor a, a otherwise looking relatively normal cycling deck. And then if you hit five, you tap out for this. And if you untap suddenly every card is both a cycling trigger and another spell. And you can seed it with like, you know, gift of the boon of the wish giver even. Right. So if right. you have four boon of the wish givers and some other sorceries, you can cycle, you know, good things are going to happen for you. Right. You start like you cycle, like, even if it's the, maybe it's the only sorcery in your deck, right? you have four boon of the wish givers, you have one in your hand, you untap, you send one mana, you boon, you draw four cards. <laughs> and you know what's happening. You've got an ominous season play, right? right? And like crazy stuff happens for you. And already I'm starting to like this a lot without <laughs> doing any work, right? In some sense. And the problem is there isn't really a sorcery that cycling one or two, or even two, I think, that I want in this spot. I mean, you can do like, you play one mana, one mana memory duration, memory leaks, but right. that's not the same level of quality that late in the game. It would be very interesting on turn one, but it's it's not great late. But you can also like start cycling creatures and try to hit huge monstrosities, potentially. Right. This, so, is certainly, this is certainly a Yadara wandering monster deck. The problem with Yadara is it's legendary, and if you play multiple Yadaras, once um, you get one of them, you're going to blank if you hit another one. So you probably don't want Yadara as much as others. Maybe you want or one Yadara. Yeah, like 8-8 Trample Haste is not enough that I don't want to try for two of them. So <laughs> I can play like one Yadara very easily. But I think I want to have a mix of other large creatures then. But it's I, definitely, will, I will yeah. play in this deck in a heartbeat, by the way. The problem is they need to be creatures that you're cycling in order to hit the big creature. So they need so you need to have cycling creatures specifically. Right. And then the other problem is like you cycle your Dranid Stinger and you hit your Dranid you hit another Dranid Stinger. And then you're like, well, it was a one minute Dranid Stinger. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not what I want. So you have to and the more creatures you put in to cycle to get there, the less big things you have. And right. you get to play four greater sandworms and four eleven eleven. Right, like as your real high end. You can play three sixes as well, but like your real high end is somewhat limited right. if you're doing it. And now we're playing green for real. So maybe, and like what is, and of course, 
the eternal question beckons, right? Which is the reason I haven't posted it yet. Who's your companion, punk? Because <laughs> a five mana enchantment kind of nukes like a lot of companions as possibilities. Right. Just straight up, right? You're you're not going to be playing any of the your permanents all have to X unless you're playing Zerda. I was just gonna say, I, I guess you can play Zerda, right? Because everything will have um cycling. But the good news is everything will have cycling or your your creatures that I mean the other issue is that like if you play creatures that accelerate your mana, then you can hit them off of the cycling. And if you don't, then how fast do you play unpredictable cycling? Right. So you have this little fork in the road that creates that problem. You know, potentially try to play some artifacts. I don't think there's a big artifact payoff though, right? If you played a bunch of crystals and then a bunch of things to hit with something to hit with the crystals, I think the crystals just hit other crystals, which is right. two mana instead of three, so it's marginally good, but like you'd much rather draw on the card. That's worth noting. There's no you may on unpredictable cycle. Right. And there's definitely it, a point it is not game. unpredictable in that regard. There are times when you absolutely just want to be cycling for regular and you can't anymore and you're sad. This card will actively cripple you after you've done your thing sometimes. And then also your deck's full of lands, right? Like you've cycled a bunch of stuff, cast some spells, and now your deck's terrible. So you have this like one, you have this turn six and maybe turn seven where you're awesome. But then the rest of the game is your deck's terrible and your cards mm -hmm. don't do anything and it's bad. Right, because like cycling for another different card that does something is not that much better than casting a card on average, often. And so, I would say definitely not a high pick. Only usable by the specific person who wants it, who does a lot of work. But you can live a dream here. You can definitely <laughs> live a dream here and have a bunch of greater sandworms that you cycle to. Like, and if you do, it's gonna be a great card because again, the, the investment is so low. Right, if you don't want it this game you can cycle it away so. so next up is yadaro wandering monster and this is a card i i have uh changed my position on i i had started out with like well i think i would take a dranith stinger over this if i'm in the cycling deck i think the payoff is higher uh you know consistency no 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 having now played with yadaro turn out 88 yes. triple haste is bonkers like let's yes. just not confuse ourselves ignore the weird reshuffling text mostly right it, it's well, nice here's, here's the funny thing about it is you will never cycle this twice i mean more than really twice in a game but in your cycling deck when you're at seven mana you will have found yadaro again i mean that's true there mostly i think there are decks that would be like kind of on the verge of decking themselves that could reasonably just say you know what i'll just cycle them three more times uh, <laughs> and it only costs eight mana total, and I still get them, and I get some cards in the meantime. So, eh, but probably not. No, probably you just cast him. Yeah. So again, ignore the weird text, except you get an eight-eight shuffle. But it just it just says shuffle back into your deck, right? If you the last line, ignore it. it doesn't. Yeah. But it's yeah. just an amazing card. And if so, it happens, it'll be sweet. Yes. And if it happens, it's super sweet. And you get a story for the rest of your days. So. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah, do it. I, I have this. I have this above above all the uncommons now. I think that's right. Again, it wouldn't necessarily be above all the uncommons once I know I'm there. Like, I'm not taking this over Flourishing Fox. Pack three when I have 16 cycles. Right. Like, but yeah, to start the draft, absolutely. 
just make sure you have a great card. Go for it. Uh, on to green. Classification. 5GG, Aura, Enchant Creature. When Classification enters the battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature. Uh, enchanted Creature gets plus 20, plus 20. I have not yet used this to um, tap my opponent's creature to get through for an Alpha Strike, but I really want to. Yeah, I, I, you, that, that's the dream, right? Is you win the game on the spot, <laughs> plus 20, plus 20. The, 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 the extended dream is you do this, don't win the game on the spot, and it's still the right play. <laughs> right? Like, no, really, this is the right thing to do. Cross fingers a lot. And you let the card because my tap, right? Like, maybe you use, like, your little dark to keep it tapped for a turn. You're, like, oh, just, like, nice. the game end. But now, now we're scraping. Um, yeah. But there's some hate out there for this card. Um, I vaguely remember Jacob Wilson having it has his worst card at the set for limited. Wow. I think, that, I think this card is good, right? This is, you're, you're, you're putting a mutation on a creature that is now going to tax them for one creature return unless they have a death touch guy. Where they deal with it. Right. Those are your only, you know, either you deal with it with a removal spell or you death touch or you're in a lot of trouble and maybe my creature flies or something. Very easy to get this on an evasion creature or something. Right. So, you know, classification. There's, there's some dream world where at nine mana you put it on a glimmer bell and attack for 21. Sure. That is a dream world, but I like it. So <laughs> the question is how high is this card? It's certainly one of those cards that I don't want in my bad opponent's deck, right? Under any circumstances. Like when my bad opponent has this card, they might just randomly win the game, right? Because if they play this card and the game doesn't, and I can't remove it and the game doesn't end, I am just under the abyss. And now right. I just read it really often. Like it can steal games that are just not your right to win. And I therefore have to have respect for this card. I don't think I'm that excited. I don't think I'm that, that I'm not that excited to take it early. Right. I think By the way, there's also there's also just like other way it doesn't just have to be a Glimmer Bell. There's other ways to just kill someone on the turn you play this. Um ram through, if you put this on a trampling creature and ram through, you can generally kill your opponent on the spot. Yeah, I have never done that, but that would be a cool thing to do. I have I have I have done that in a game that went very long. With a Godzilla. <laughs> My opponent was well above 20 and killed them with ram through by classifying a Godzilla. <laughs> you yeah, nice? I did. I did. Good. I, I don't think they meant it. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it every time. To be clear, you see me, if you've seen it's me and he gives you a nice, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to start building a deck around this card. Yeah, that's right. You just, it, it, it is a card that you are happy to have in green decks and you're, you're happier to have it if you have a lot of acceleration. Like it's very good on, it's very good on, you know, cards that help you accelerate, shall we say, or with yeah. them, but, you know. It's yeah. solid. I, I'm happy to have it, but I'm not in a rush. And we'll table a lot. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Gem Razor, 4G for a 4 4. And then it has a cheaper but more expensive mutate cost of 1GG. Reach Trample, whenever this creature mutates, destroy target, artifact or enchantment, and opponent controls. 
four four. This is I one am, of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty happy to start my draft here. <laughs> yeah, three mana, turn a guy into a four four. Three mana, kill your pacifism or capture sphere. You know, start my monstrosity up. Or just play the solid creature. Very good. Um, yeah. I'm. I think it's like in a similar space to Fire Prophecy. Like it's a very solid creature that I'm happy with that will help me, but it doesn't blow me away. You're you're not you're you're better than all the commons, or at least as good as all the commons. Yeah, about and, as good as yeah, but as not as good as, as the top uncommons that you're gonna build. Not with. even close though, no. Like there's a lot of times you won't have a target. And unless you have the ability to be taken on turn three, you're just gonna place the four four. And often, even if you do have the unit on turn three, you're just going to play a free drop and then play this. So it's got a lot of upside, and its normal mode is solid anyway. I'm very happy to have it. But, yeah, the impact level is not as high as one would think, right. I'd say. Would be my okay. Um, Kogla, the Titan Ape, 3GGG for a 7-6. When it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Whenever it attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. And if that's not enough, it has 1G, return target human you control to its owner's hand. Kogla gains indestructible until end of turn. Seven. What do they ripping off of here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Kogla, I would say very, very good. Uh, you have to be serious about your green. Yes. But usually my green decks are. Right? If, if I'm going to play green, I want to play the green mana acceleration and fixing and adventures impulse. If when you know when whatever mix of them shows up. So I want to be able to have half my sources be green when I need it. And so this shouldn't be a problem. And obviously seven six, eat something, maybe potentially kill an enchantment or artifact someday, maybe potentially be indestructible, super happy. Yeah, you just have to take this. You don't really have a choice. Yeah, you're not, you're, the, best, you're, not the best you're, green card, but yeah, you're you're totally happy to spend your start your draft here. Yes, I will. I will just take this card. Um, number two in mono green, but the other cards are mythic. So what can you do? <laughs> All right, um, Mythos of Brokos, two uh, GG for a sorcery. This is Mythos of Saltai. Um, if blue-black was spent to cast a spell, search your library for a card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library, return up to two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. Broco is surprisingly unimpressive given the name. I, I, <laughs> yeah. But, so, double regrowth for four. Pretty sweet. Double regrowth, one of which is actually Demonic Tutor. Even sweeter. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love this card. I have not, I haven't played this card in limited yet. I am, uh, I am looking to acquire a copy of this card to put into my Saltai Commander deck for sure, which yes. has Spider spawning. You obviously do that. The card definitely, when you when you see it, is one of those like, oh come on. I just sort of <laughs> feel right somehow. 
but yeah, it's also highly beatable in the sense that it is four mana checking a turn off to not impact the board, get back things that are already dead and therefore not necessarily too expensive. Right. Right. If you don't, if you don't kick it, if you do kick it, you get what you want. But, but you think, really about want this, think about this in the context of, uh, of sandworms. So we've talked about this, right? Like what if you, oh, sure. you know, cycle two sandworms and then like on, you know, on, on a, you know, and stabilize the board doing other things. And then you, you know, you do this and you get two sandworms back that you're going to play over the next two turns. Yeah. I mean, on some level you paid eight mana to draw to, 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 to divination yourself. Sure. Right. So don't discount that that was really clunky, but the option value is nice. The problem is that mythos isn't option value. Mythos is forcing you to play this super mana intensive hard work game. Right. Right. Also, it's one of those cards that gets much better if you have uh, what's it called? Evolving Wilds in your deck. Sure. I have noticed that being able to bring back a land is a reasonably big game here. So if you don't have other some way to put a land into your graveyard, then... Oh, yeah. Because like often what you want to do is it's turn four or five, and you're just like, I need another land. Right. right you play this on turn four... You get, a, you get a land back, you play a land, and you get something else that you're going to do next turn, maybe that you cycled or... Yeah, exactly. You just get back in the game and you keep expanding towards those greater sandworms that you're looking towards. Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think the only copies of this I have in my arena collection are copies I've opened out of booster packs. Uh, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've had this card in a deck yet. Yeah. So not, not, a, very high, not a very high pick for me. Uh, certainly wouldn't be unhappy, you know, wouldn't be unhappy with this in some decks. I've, I've certainly played four mana return two cards to your hand multiple times. Uh, I would be happy getting this in the middle of a pack and putting it in my green deck, but not, not something I'm going out of my way for or, or yeah, feeling, feeling too bad about if I miss out on it. Yeah. If I miss out, I miss out, but I'm happy to have it if I'm doing the thing, probably. But there's a lot of decks where it just wouldn't do very much. Right. Well, especially especially in the context that we've been talking about this format, like this really lean, low to the ground, very consistent cycling deck. This is exactly the type of card I want my opponent to be playing against me. Yeah, there are right? spells you don't want. If you have two different spells and get them back, it'd be one thing, but it can't. Yeah. I mean, I just want my opponent to dirtle around and, you know, get two cards back from their graveyard for their entire turn four. Okay. <laughs> you know. I, I'm pretty happy in that in that scenario. Yeah, I'm gonna do some dirtling. Don't get me wrong. But my dirtling is gonna have a much better payoff than your dirtling. Right. So I wouldn't be dirtling if I was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Moving on. Vivian Monsters Advocate. So another five mana planeswalker. Three GG for three loyalty. Has a static ability. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature cards from the top of your library. So kind of an experimental frenzy-ish kind of feel. Uh, plus one, create a 3-3 green, three, three green beast creature token uh, with your choice of vigilance, reach, or trample counter. And then minus two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser converted mana cost, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. You could take away either the static ability or the minus two, and this <laughs> might still be the best card in the set that isn't going It might be the what? It still might be the best card in the set that's not a companion. 
Okay. Right. This card is ridiculous. Like you get a three, like in context, you get a three, three every turn with in particular reach, if you want it to have reach so that Vivian is safe. And then you get to start casting cards at the top of your deck and then double up by getting another card on top of it. Right. This card is not fair. It's not fair at all. <laughs> it just, I mean, it's a mythic, right? It's allowed to not be fair. It has a bunch of awkwardness and constructive trying to make it work, but I do expect people to figure out ways. The more I play with the cards in general, particularly the fact that it's sort of fighting Luca pretty hard, means you have to pick a side. And that prevents you from playing the Luca Vivian deck that you otherwise would be kind of excited by. <laughs> right? Because like you're just trying to get to five and you can play Luca, Nissa, and Vivian or something and then like go nuts. But the problem is Vivian wants you to play all sorts of different mana costs so that you can always go down by one or two and find the thing that you want with the minus two. And Luca wants you to play only two casting costs in your entire deck. <laughs> okay. So you don't get to be on you you don't get both. You have to pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I love this card. I, I think I've only had it once, but was super happy with it. And uh would 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 pick again, would pick highly. Yeah, certainly Vivian, you know, we'll see some constructed decks that like play Vivian and then play a Hydra for the number that you need to get the thing you want. And then have fun. Right. As a Additional Nissa. Yeah. That's definitely a thing. But again, like there's a lot of there's a lot of decks that I built until I found out there wasn't a companion that was legal, and then I just fucking threw a Because I can't be out of cards. Uh, yeah, it's sure. Uh, let's talk about Skycat Sovereign. We're on to the gold cards now. Yep. So average White. quality going up. <laughs> <laughs> White blue for a one-one flying. Sky, Sky Cat Sovereign gets one plus one plus one for each other creature you control with flying, and then it has an ability to you white make a one one cat bird flying creature. Yep, beats entire decks on its own. Like just wins entire games. I have definitely found myself going into like sit up straight in my chair and figure out a way to kill this or somehow race against it mode as soon as it hits the battlefield. Or sit up in your chair and figure out how you're playing these colors now. Yeah. Oh, well, if I open it, sure. I, I actually, this is another card I, I have not, uh, I haven't had a shot at in a, in a reasonable, reasonably early in a draft. Yeah, I think this is one of those cases where if you're either of these colors, you're taking this card and not, and not asking any questions. But I don't think it's good enough that you can be neither color and not ask any questions. <laughs> Just I think if you are solidly of... not, if you're solidly neither color, I think you have to sigh and pass it. Right. But I, I think if you're either color, unless your mana is already ridiculously awkward, you know, maybe if you're specifically like red and black and blue or white, then you can like despair of splashing the other one and give it up. But if you're green in your deck, like, I'll figure out a way to get both cards. I mean, it's hard to get me both of them at the same time. Like, relax, everybody. We'll figure this out. Right. So this, this card's just going to absolutely take over the game for you. Yes, this card will. It has the optionality to sometimes just become your strategy and take over the game. 
and you're paying so little to get it. Right? Like you have this thing where you get a one one for for two mana. Maybe it's randomly two two. And then every turn you have this option to suddenly like get two get two power in the air for four mana many times as you want. And they have to have this sword hanging over them the entire game. And sometimes you just race them and kill them. Yeah, very good turn. All right. Uh, so we, we've already talked about the companions. Uh, and, I mean, do you just just to, like, you feel like all the companions are just automatically first pickable? So let's think about it. Yorian, not even close. Right? Obviously slam Yorian. Obviously slam Jairuda even if it didn't have the word companion on it. Right. Right? And again, like, Yorian, I don't think it's completely obvious that you... Like, you have to see what you have, right? Sometimes you can't actually play 60 cards. And you have to acknowledge that he's just a 4-5 flyer for 5. But that's not a bad failure mode for a hybrid card, taking the start draft, so... It's all good. He still untaps all your guns. Like, it's fine. Um, Obosh, very solid creature if not a companion, bonkers in the companion deck, but the companion deck has issues. Sure. Like, I definitely, even to start a draft, I would be a little leery of trying to make Obosh happen. Like, for real. I would certainly keep an eye on it, but being up a card does have its limits, I will say. Like, Obosh sure. might be a little bit a bridge too far. Um, sure. I, I, I honestly to... liked Obosh just as a card. No, I'm saying like, I'm absolutely very happy to start the draft with a, to draft a 6-5 that doubles some of your other creatures' damage sources. Right. And see what happens. But it, it's a pale shadow of Gigantha. Gigantha is the gimme companion. Right. Gigantha is like, okay, the, the, the handful of double-cost cards, you can't play those. CSAMORMS. Yeah. The one that's really annoying is you can't play Frostvale Ambush. <laughs> like, you should, like, appeal, right? Can we just like, can we just agree I never cast that? Like, only fair. Right. But, you know, it's, there's, a few, there's a few cards you want to just cycle or otherwise, like, don't want for this reason you think. Like, you agree or say the same thing. And then you can't play them, and it's weird. But mostly, you open this even in pack three, even if you're neither color. And you just move those three or four cards to your board, put this card as your companion, figure out how to splash that color into your deck somehow. You know, even then, over everything. Right. Card is bonkers. People are passing it. They are insane. I get, I've get. i gotten a fifth pack. pick. I've gotten a fifth pick. Yeah, that should never happen. Any pack, ever. I, I agree. I mean, I got Kahira fifth pick pack one. Which should literally never happen. Right. Like, Kahira is, is another card. Kahira is clearly better than every uncommon in the card. Okay. Like, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't played with a Kahira. That might be one of the few that I've only had, like, maybe once. Basically, if you, play, if you open Kahira to start, right, if you know Kahira is there, it is very easy to just understand that you can no longer draft other creatures that you can't draft. And draft the deck. Worst case scenario is you have to play three colors, right? You can play a Naya deck, basically. Uh, right. So that Kahira is always easy to cast. All three colors have 
you know, white is usually a splash in that situation, but fine. Like it has a bunch of dinosaurs and a bunch of cats and so on. But you make it work, and then you have a free lord that gives plus one plus one and vigilance to everything. It's completely bonkers, and you can play like five terrible trick cards that nobody ever plays to run out your deck. And nothing <laughs> bad happens to you because you always have lots of powerful creatures to trick. So you play your like Ray of Hopes and your, you know, plus three plus threes for three mana, and you just don't care. Right. Right. Just this 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 card is nuts. You can end up with a deck that has nothing good, and you're not gonna spill nuts. Basically. Yeah. Like just the key question is like when I got a fifth pick, I had to literally toss them in my first four cards. And I didn't even hesitate. Like those cards just didn't play at all. But like right. that's fine. I will, I will trade you my first five picks for Kahira. Uh, that's what I think of Kahira, right? In draft sense, because it's draft day was last night, right? I will trade you my first five picks for Kahira. Okay. Probably. But I still want the option to go the other way, but I will probably do. Um, um, Loris yeah. is a card that's very hard to build as your companion in draft, but still an incredibly va- incredible high-value creature uh, in your deck. I think you are underestimating... So if you open Loris in later packs... Sure. Where the ship has already sailed, right? You drafted a bunch of normal cards, and you'd be down, like, most of a pack. You can just play a 3-2 lifelink creature that lets you replay a bunch of cards for free, and you have completely bonkers cards in your deck. Or if you get it early enough, or you have it in position, you can own the world. Basically, you can play it as your companion. In the decks where this is your companion, it is completely broken. It is not just an eighth card. It's an eighth, ninth, and tenth card. It's an eighth and ninth card right now, and you better kill this. Right, the good scenario is you play your extra companion card, you replay another card. And then they spend a card to kill your Luris, and they're only down two. Right. And and, if some, you, and sometimes you can bring your Luris back. And sometimes you can bring your Luris back if they let you go to the graveyard. Yes. Now, if you only are down, only up two cards, and everything costs one and two, maybe it's a problem, but there's spells can cost more mana. Right. And you can often make this work very well. Like, you can get bonkers, bonkers, bonkers Luris Yeah, I mean, you can, cer- you can certainly get some insane red-white cycling decks with Luris without ever having to dip above the converted mana cost on your creatures. You right? can the also... Ability, the yes. ability to cycle a stinger and play a stinger is, is pretty it's exciting. Oh, so bad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yes, this, this is the cycling companion... Par excellence. There's also a black-white deck like that does a bunch of sacrificing and a bunch of, like, I attack with everything. Oh, would you block? Okay, replay that. <laughs> yeah, very basic stuff. You know, you have to play sleeper darts and pacifisms and whatnot. I, I, have, I have definitely come close to decking myself with Luris and sleeper dart. I have done it. I won the match. But I, I didn't no, I won the match. Way. I won the match too. I, I didn't deck myself. I won. <laughs> you know, I lost to ru- the ruinous ultimatum. To me. Oh, okay. I got my giant board and left me with nothing. I didn't plan on it, so I had no. I had nothing left in my deck to win with. 
And then I just played around that possibility the other game. And I won. All right. Uh, Lutri right. is probably one that's... Lutri is the free action, right? All you have to do is not play two copies of the same card. Right. So Are you going to first pick Lutri? Of course. I'm starting any cards. I'm literally just starting any cards. Or nothing. I have a 3-2. Okay. How am I not first picking this? I mean, I can imagine worlds in which you end up not playing it as your companion or not playing it at all. I can imagine it because you end up with four Drain of Stingers or whatever, and you just, right. it's too important to not, like, you know, the cycling deck requires you to play multiple copies of a bunch of cards, like, reasonably often. But, like, I'd probably play a bunch of other cycling two cards to get this instead of my cycling one cards if I have a free card. And also, don't knock the Dublin, right? This card can be very good. If you copy Fire Prophecy, right? Like on turn five or something. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's a build around. You always have it. Free creature. Yeah, you're first picking this. You're okay. first picking this, but you're not like committed to doing this come hell or high water necessarily. But I mean, you can always, you know, see what happens. Like, specifically with the second deck, I'm willing to let go. I think any other deck, I'm just going to play the card and. Omori the Collector. I think my favorite deck in this format was an Omori deck so far of mine in terms of just raw. Like it just you just if you open this, you're you're drafting a Simic deck. Okay. And so but you're and you're gonna just first pick Amori over everything, you're just taking it? Not even close. Again, I would trade you my first pick and I, I would trade you over every first pick and trade you my second pick happily. All right. I'm not sure how many more picks I give up there, but probably at least two, one more, I'm guessing. And that's a way of putting the companions. How many picks to start the draft would you give up to get this card? And the answer is often more than one. Okay. Um, so I think, I think the next one is probably one that you might not first pick. Zerda, the Dawnwing? I have, in fact, not first picked Zerda. Okay. I opened Zerda and Valiant Rescuer, and I... No, it was, it was, a, it was a fox. I, I opened this and Flourishing Fox. And I said, I'm not falling for that again. And <laughs> I had two Zerta decks. One of the Zerta decks was a pile of garbage. Like, terrible cards. And I played, like, basically everything I had. And I three out of a fight. <laughs> and the other deck was a pile of even worse garbage where I played all but four cards that were legal for me to play. Because even though I knew Zerta was there the whole time, I just got dead pack after dead pack after dead pack, but I was too committed to pull back, right, when it keeps happening. It's not like you have a backup plan at that point. So every marginal card, you're just committed to keep doing the thing. You keep doing the thing. And what happened was my deck was terrible, and I went one too. Because it turns out if your deck is horribly clunky and slow and you have an extra card in it, you still just die. (laughs) So there is that. And then Karuga, not playing any two drops is a real cost. Sure. Like one drops are easy to give up, two drops are not free. You can't play the second deck at all. In fact, the things you want to do, the thing you want to do on turn two is cycle, you can't because you're going to like. Right. And, and the thing you want to do on turn two to buy turns to get to turn three is going to be something like Essence Scatter, which you also can't do. Right. You, there's no way to cheat with this card anymore. Right? Right. You have to do this the, the right way. Yeah. So, I, uh, I've been very happy to have Karuga, but I, have, uh, I don't think I've made it my companion yet. 
I mean, Karuga is a perfectly good card. I would right. be very happy to start the draft with this. It's definitely over every common. I'm not sure what I would do if I was given the choice of Karuga and the uncommons. I think I'd probably take the uncommons at this point, just because that deck is so ridiculous, and I just know where we're going. Right. That being up a card because Karuga is the place where being up a card and then the card you draw from Karuga is so likely to not matter, right? Like, if you're going the second with Karuga, you know you don't have a two-drop, you're behind the beginning, it's very easy to not get there, because you can't, it's not just you don't have a two-drop on turn two, it's you can't ever double spell. We'll never double spell this entire game, probably. Right, you're hoping to three plus three on turn six, but that's, that's kind of a stretch after you had to three on turn three. Right. So you're just not going to do that. Now, you're only casting one spell a turn for the rest of the game. There's a lot of, like, very good, like, two-mana tricks and removal spells and so on. And a lot of opponents double spell you. And so it's very, very easy to just die. So I would definitely be happy with this card in my deck as a regular card. I would definitely consider companioning if I didn't have anything particularly worth fighting for. But, yeah, I think this is definitely a trap. In some situations, yeah. So you're so you're not you're not first picking this one. Oh, I'm first picking this over anything but the very best. Like okay. it's definitely over just because, like, read the text right without the companion line. It's a five four that's almost certainly get a cantrip most of the time and might draw you two. Right. Like it takes over the game effectively. Right. So so basically, out of the ten companions, eight of them are above all the commons and uncommons. Two of them yeah. are above all the commons. And both have, uh, and both of those have been, are, are powerful cards that you're, you're happy to have in your deck. So like if you see, people are basically too fixated on companions as being companions and do seem to be passing them because again, I, I have... I, I've had decks with three or four companions in them. Like, you know, Zerda right, right, is really hard to use as a companion, and there's definitely the danger that you start making sacrifices to try to make Zerda happen, and then Zerda doesn't want to happen, and then your deck is full of terribleness. But Zerda is also a hybrid card that's 3-3 three, three with a very good ability. Right. <laughs> and another very good ability. Right? Yes. One tap, they can't block, and you can cycle everything for one mana. Right. There's other things in the format, but they don't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right? I haven't found anything else that really matters. There's a mythic, the blue-green mythic that like goes from infinite mana to reasonable price or something. Like there's very little. So, but yeah, no, like you should definitely be taking these cards highly and be considering playing them as regular cards. Like Mori would be an obviously like slam dunk first pick without the companion line, for example. Yeah. So just just if you're for people who are keeping score at this point, still or even just still listening at this point, uh, we're at 17 rares or mythics that are above the line of every common and uncommon. Uh, so with with still a bunch of gold cards to go. So let's let's try to be a little let's try to um, you know breeze through a bunch of these here and just uh, think about whether or not they're above or below, 
and then if there's something very specific that we want to dig into, we can dig into it. But otherwise, we 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 might be here until the next set release. Property <laughs> the card text off, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's on me. Yeah, I apologize. All right, Slither Wisp. All right, very good. Obviously, in the flash deck, uh, not good if you're not the flash deck. Casting cost is very specific. Uh, don't start. I would not want to start the drop this way. Yeah, we we've we've okay. al we've already sort of like dinged a couple of cards for just having BB in their casting cost, and this is like even harder than those cards. It's it's a fine card if you're in the colors, but not any place you want to start your draft. Uh, this is the, the star, yeah. This is a star player for one very very specific deck, and only that deck. Um, Labyrinth Raptor, very good creature if you are red black, but not impactful. Right, in my experience, right, because they can block with the small creature and the big creature, sacrifice the small creature, and win the combat slash take the damage for a while. There aren't that many menace creatures. And red-black is a very hard thing to do on turn two. In general, there are almost no red-black decks naturally unless you're doing this specific card almost. Or like a very small handful of cards. So, you know, I don't want to go out on a limb like this, but then I end up just not using it. But if you're already there, very, very happy to play it. You know, very Quartz, Quartz Wood Crasher. I am ready to go out on a limb. Yes, agree. This card Two. is <laughs> cost five. Would go out on somewhat of a limit if it costs six. It costs five. I always think it costs six. Like my brain tells me it costs six. Because you're we're old and we were never when this would cost six, but now it costs five. So yes, you you get to play a six six that can if it ever hits the mix another six six. Even if it tramples, it makes a creature. If other trample creatures, they can also hit them. The four three uncommon that lets that lets uh, trample creatures go directly to the dome. Yep. That yes. nobody takes. Yep. Yeah, and you get that. You get that card for free if it's in your yeah, deck. Yeah, it's not very hard to get double red by five mana if you want to work for it. So, yes, plan this card. Don't ask questions. Yeah, I had someone give this. I had someone. I had somebody raking claws this against me. It was not a good experience. I mean, it was a great experience. You were dead there anyway. I agree with that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Is, so, oh. is this in the regular set? Uh, I don't think it's not. You're right. I don't think this is. I think this is the box topper. I mean, it would just be a 7-7 seven, seven with, like, cool things you can do for five minutes. It's, it's, it's the buy a box. You'd be taking it. But, yeah, it's the buy a box. Yeah. All right. Frontland Felidar. I you know was reminded the hard way that Zerda does not did not like this card, but <laughs> the card is nuts. By the way, like committing to white green, annoying, but three five vigilance, and then like on your turn tap something, or like you hit attack because I have a three five, and then at the end step tap something, untap attack with it. This card just rules boards. Right, and also if you're and if you're building your deck towards this, right, where you have, like, Vigilant Tribal, you know, maybe you have a Kahira, maybe you have something else. Um, when you, you also get an Alpha Strike out of everything because you get to attack with all your Vigilant creatures, and then before blockers just tap everything down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not completely unexcited to try the Felidar Kahira Constructed deck, just because it's pretty insane if suddenly all your creatures are Ices. Right? 
Like, because you put Kahira and now suddenly everyone has vigilance. Right. Including Kahira. And now they all have one tap, tap target creature. And you can play a lot of one and two drops for Kahira anyway. And you can play a Boreal Grazer. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying, like, you know, fun things to try while the companions are legal. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, this is a slam dunk first pick. This is a splash one of the covers if you have to get recovered. Okay. That's, I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, we've had a couple of those now, and, and this will be a recurring theme, I think, through the gold cards. Uh, General Kudro of Dranith. Yeah, so exiling cards from graveyards, not a big deal in this format. Sacrificing two humans can include himself to destroy bigger creatures. It'll happen. It'll sure. happen a lot more if you're generating valuable rescue tokens or other, or, you know, other tokens. There, these cards are obviously nuts in the black white, like great lots of go wide deck, right? The Bastion of Remembrance deck, very yeah. good in. And I think that's the kind of deck where I want to see something like this before I get involved, right? Not necessarily the, the mythic, but like I want to start with the good stuff and then branch out. I'm going to take this card and then try to make this happen if I ever see it and there's nothing else pressing early. Um, I'm not, but I don't think that's impressive in general, right? It's a good card in general. Right. Would you, would, you wouldn't take it over, you certainly wouldn't take, would you take this over a Flourishing Fox? No, no, yeah. it's just not what I want to be. Yeah. I might just because I want to try it, but not for value, right? I would understand it wasn't for value. Right. But definitely when, when this card comes into play, like, I often would think, well, you got me. But there's that. Okay, well, um, Riel yeah, the Everwise. This is a card that feels most like an older magic card. One R uh, U for an O3 that gets plus one for each incident sorcery card in your graveyard, and then has this whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time, you draw that many cards. I cut this, I had, to, I had, I had this in a what. A deck that played Zerda, a cycling Jeskai deck, and I was this close to, like, it was like, I think I almost want to abandon Zerda for one card. Like, <laughs> and this card is literally just like a billion three for three mana that draws me an extra card every damn turn. And not just mine, but yours as well. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, that card's completely busted, but eight cards in hand is eight cards in hand. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, so importantly, when you when you cycle, that counts as discarding. Yes, when you cycle, that counts as discarding. So this card is completely nuts. Let's be very clear. Yeah. Like, you play it on turn four, cycle a spell, it gets bigger, cool. you draw and an extra you draw card. two cards. Right, so every turn, not just your turns, but each turn, you cycle, cycle one or cycle two, draw two cards, people in the number of sorceries, this thing gets lots of power. Like, she just rules the board. The, like, the dream the dream with Riel is to cathartic reunion, obviously. That's the dream, but you also don't need to. Like, <laughs> fine. Yeah, this yeah. card is mild above the commons and uncommons. Again, splash a color if you have to. Don't ask questions. Like, and 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 it's and it's pushing you towards what you want to be doing. This is this is essentially while it's not going to kill your opponent necessarily, it's it's a pseudo payoff for cycling, right? It's a, right. It's, the, cycling, the cycling payoff card that's that much, it's like 
much better than the cycling payoff cards themselves. Like yes. it's just it's that much ridiculous. All right. Uh Shovel Bane of Monsters. So black green two drop. The fact that I don't the fact that I am not offended by this card constructed right now says volumes about constructed. Right? <laughs> like there was an article that came out originally that this is exactly what we need to contain aggression. Like aggression is gonna be sad, and it's like no, no, it's not. The aggression is already going to be super sad slash if it can't handle this, whatever. So, drug. But yeah, this card is completely ridiculous. It's a 1-3 death touch for two mana. This is a two drop that when you when you get to trade your three drop for this and give them a, a card draw, you're, you're, you're happy. Right. Right? This is just a your life got infinitely worse type of card when you play against it. And if you had to actually like give that guy death touch, give that guy a bounty card, kill it, give that guy a bounty, kill it. It's just so crazy. So I would say slam dunk first pick, despite the colors, you know, splash black happily if you need to. Don't splash both colors. That's a little bit much. But definitely splash the black or the green if necessary. Oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But too bad, too bad. It's a human. You can't live the dream of death touch uh Porky parrot with him that would well, be kind of insane you, you do everything a bounty and then you kill it with the chevelle top yeah that would be yeah cool. but you can't do that <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. all right uh fiend fiend artisan um completely ridiculous like you get to cycle creatures in your graveyard and then boost from them you get to search out stuff and make it bigger if you want to but like you just get a two mana lurgoif with a source of a power with upside and it's hybrid so like stop asking questions and take it and figure it out later. <laughs> like, right. Right. Winota joiner of forces. So in constructed, this is awkward. I have seen attempts to do this with tokens that seem interesting in constructed, more so than I realized when I mostly downplayed it relative to the obvious upside potential. Like there's just a lot of things that have to go right. Like you have to have the tech account, but in limited. There aren't. It's a 4-4 four, four for 4. It's already fine. And you hit with one non-human once. Right. A bunch of humans in your deck. And you're already in reasonably good shape. So, yeah. It's gold. I don't care. These are the colors that I want. Just I, I, think the, I think the thing that's also really exciting about Winona that's maybe not immediately apparent when you look at it is these cards always feel like this has to attack, be one of the attacking creatures to get this ability. But you can yeah. play this on a board with non-humans, attack with those non-humans, and, and then get that ability. Yes, the best way to play this is to immediately get the trigger. Right. So this is like, the ability has haste, even if Winota doesn't. In the last deck that I had this in, only triggered off of 8-8s. Eight but <laughs> it still wasn't a game. On my way to my easy victories. So yeah, were your eight eight were your eight eight token creatures by by perchance? Yeah, yeah, they were. And yeah. it got I I found a I found a two three and then I started cycling cars to tap all their blockers so I couldn't kill the two three. So I could keep cycling later. Oh, oh I got the I got the radio play by play of this game. That's right. Yeah, you got the radio. So <laughs> next up is Canon Bonder Prodigy. Uh so basically it's just a seven mana two two. There are two mana two two. They had a seven mana ability that puts a non human from the top five into the battlefield, so it's pretty powerful if you get there. And 
you can use this to double up your um, activated abilities. The problem being coming that, soon to a cube near you. The problem is that the common that produces mana is use this ability only to buy creatures. So you can't actually activate this off a of humble naturalist, which makes this card so much worse. Hard <laughs> to not activate off a of humble naturalist. So you can do this on buy land and a naturalist. I'd be so much more into starting the draft this way. Right. That's exactly the deck I want to be drafting now. I know exactly what I have to do. But otherwise, no, this is just all this does is sort of win more on the mana front, mostly, with the upside of eventually you win the game. So like, look, it's a good card, but it's it's one deck, right? It's right. you have to play the Simic deck that's not gonna be there by default. Right. It's a little weird. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Offspring's Revenge. Only card that I have four of because people just like give it to you 12th and I've taken it twice as a rare draft. But <laughs> I have had it in play. I have used it to good effect. It's very interesting in the cycling deck if you can splash black because you cycle creatures and then they come back as one ones and their trigger, their trigger effects to work. Sure. But it's pretty freaking slow to do its thing. Right. But, but I'm, I'm going to guess one. that since you got it 12th, you had an opportunity to take it higher than that and didn't. So this is this is not a card. Yeah. Today. I would say if you look like you're all three colors or you could be all three colors, it's worth picking up in case it starts to do useful things. Your creatures have good abilities, but it's a lot of mana for it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the ultimatums. Yes, let's. Uh, Basically, these are not easy to cast. Let's no. just get that right. right? These are pretty tricky to cast. They're all very good when cast. You have to ask yourself, am I actually casting this? Right. Am I casting it on seven? Am I casting it on eight? Am I casting it on never? Right? These are all reasonably likely. I think the green ones are by default better because green has a lot of mana fixing and acceleration. You can plausibly cast an ultimatum on turn five. And just sure. the game end, obviously, presumably, right? You're up five card, you're up four cards, and you put some stuff into play, and the game is presumably over. Uh, Ruinous ultimatum, like very good effect, but you have to play exactly these colors, and like drawing your land is going to be awkward, and you better have a bunch of dual lands, and maybe. But like even at a seven drop, that's half a time an eight or nine drop, or even ten drop, I'll be fine. Like it's worth like doing the splash thing. Yeah. But but I don't want to. Yeah, we're not we're not starting the draft there. Um, yeah, Ruinous Ultimatum certainly something that is very enticing. I had someone who played two Ultimatums against me, different Ultimatums. I believe they were both green, but uh, they got they yeah, got well, one they got one of the three games with it, and then predictably had mana trouble the other two games. Yeah, I mean, Matt, two, two of them with green is actually pr pretty reasonable in my mind because you don't have to fire both of them to win the game, slash sure. a lot of them get you the mana to get the, cast the other one because they, they draw five cards in some form, like multiples. Like, yeah, immersion ultimatum, if you've got, you know, is very, very powerful. Inspired ultimatum is very powerful. Every ultimatum is very powerful. Like, this card will basically win you the game when they're playing, right? Like, most of the time. Right. Ruinous is, in fact, the weakest one in my mind because Ruinous ultimatum sometimes just stabilizes the board <laughs> and you might not win that way. Sure. Like, it's a it's the least likely to win you the game. 
in my mind of the box, even though it probably does. It's basically a very expensive falter in that case. I mean, it kills a bunch of stuff, right? But it's often just going to be a two for one for seven mana, which you're very happy with, but doesn't just end it. Right. So I would say that one is more of a comes around, you know, once it tables, you look at your deck and you're like, you know, maybe. Everyone else has passed it. They know about it and so on. Um, I get this ultimatum. If you're starting the draft, it's actually interesting because now you can know what's coming. Like, if you... If you're actually, I think if Genesis or Eerie Ultimatum comes up and your deck is set up to do it, I think you're pretty excited. And I think you can consider first picking these cards. Would you first pick them over all premium commons? In the right spot, right? So like it's packed two or three and I'm already obs on with a bunch of mana fixing. Sure. You know, I'm in, right? I I'm and I'm even more in on those than original ultimatum. Original ultimatum is triple green, so it's a little easier to cast, but it's much less powerful in my mind. Like, you get two out of three, but you have to do some work, and like, sometimes they can answer it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, very, I'm, not put, I'm not putting a hash mark. I'm not putting a hash mark on the leaderboard here for any of these, though. Oh no, not in this, not to start the draft because again. You're committing to this exact thing, or you can't do it. And even in that circumstance, it's in your deck, and maybe you can't cast it. Right. So the combination of those two things, like no. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something that is uh, almost certainly going to get a hash mark: Snapdax Apex of the Hunt. Yes, that will work nicely. Five <laughs> uh, mana to get a three-five double strike, and I kill well, something. Well, it's four mana to get a three-five double strike. Uh, or, okay, it's, four it's, it's, yes, it's also it's very good. good. Yeah, it's yes. very good as a creature. It's even better as a mutate. Yes. Yes. I hate playing these colors, but you know what? We'll make it work, and we can mutate without playing black if we have to. And you, you'll, you'll just happily slam this card first pick, first pack over any common or uncommon. Yeah, don't be stupid. Don't ask questions. Okay. Good. Yeah. My job, by the way, is to be stupid and ask questions. Just oh, sure. Know. I will also take Aluna. <laughs> yes. Aluna is definitely the one I've had the most. And it is it is just, I love it. I will also take Nethroi. Just to, just to go through the, when we're going through the five, right? Sure. Nethroi is bonkers. I am on my second Nethroi deck right now. And you can do a lot of work. Because, like, in these colors, you can now build the graveyard deck from there. Do very good effects, right? If you know where you're going. So Nefroy is a very good place to start, even though you're committing yourself to a strategy. Sure. It's also very easy to get out pretty quickly and just be a 5-5 five, five, Death Touch Life when it comes out. What about um, Vadrock? Um, Vadrock is tough. It's not as easy. I mean, it's a little tough on the mana because it wants to come out fast, right, for three mana. And you won't necessarily have a card in your graveyard that you want, although later in the game you will. With me flying first strike, there'll be interesting situations where you give something else flying in first strike, but keep the other creature as the base, obviously, or you'll you take something onto this on top. Right. Um, I think so. I think there's enough upside there, and those colors are what I want to be doing. But the problem is also, like, if you play, if you play Vardog passing one of the cycling cards, then you're going to fight. Sure. 
I, right? I kind so, of know what deck I want if I open a Vanrock. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be the red white cycling deck so much as I'm trying to be the red a red blue mutant deck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that deck. Yeah, I think you have enough different ways to to make this work that you're willing to take it. Um unfortunately the one time I've drafted this, it was blocked by Zerda. <laughs> I just happened to, oh, it was just there. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to not take it. Like, we'll figure it out later. Right, right. And then Brokus, just take it, obviously. Right. Brokus is probably the, I think it's Brokus, probably, I haven't, I haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't limited, I think it's the most limited, powerful of the five. It seems worthy of its name, right? right. You just turn it every day into a 6 6 trampoline. So, and you trigger all the mutates in the deck. You just take every mutate card you find after that, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so that takes care of that cycle. I figured we just deal with that. Yep. So what's left? Uh, Song of creation. creation. Yeah, so basically it's a cycle of these um, shard enchantments. I I think they're all like, you know, in some world where you can teleport to a board state that's neutral and mana where you could play it, these cards are all great, right? Like, but they're just such dead draws uh, early in the game, and even on the turn, you can cast them if you're under any kind of pressure. They just don't impact the board at all. They're so narrow. I am not interested in Son of Creation at all. I'm not interested in Death Oasis at all. Um, Whirlwind of Thought is obviously easier to use, but no. It's four mana, <laughs> and then like I have to cast three spells before I even get concentrated out of it? Like, no, go away. I'm going to deck myself. Like, uh, okay, how about Narset of the Ancient Way? Okay, now I'm interested. <laughs> That's different. So I took Narset over Ominous Seas, knowing it was wrong, and like, tabled the Ominous Seas, but I knew it was wrong. Right, well, let's wrap up on Narset here. Zvi. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Narset, so, is, Narset is yes or no? Yes. Okay. If you don't get there, the Caitlin cards aren't bonkers. Narset's always bonkers. So just take Narset, even though it's three colors, and figure it out later. It's the right three colors. Okay. So uh, just going through the rares and mythics, this gets us to 30 cards uh, out of the 69 that you would take over. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm assuming uh, Crystalline Giant, you would take over everything? Oh, yeah. I think so. so. 30, it gets us to 31. So almost half the rares um, you're going to take over any common or uncommon. I don't think, you, you know, the triomes are not going to be something you're going to first pick. Uh, right. So so that's a, that's a pretty princely format. Yes. I forgot about the triomes and the bonders on clave, but yeah, obviously they're, they're cards you play, but they're not cards that you're eager to start with. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I, yeah. I so right. Like it's weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thirty-one. Right. That's been. A, it's been a long thing. I got to go downstairs and let someone come into my uh, building with groceries for me. Yay, uh, for delivered groceries. And uh, for Zvi Moshowitz is Brian David Marshall for Top Eight Magic. See you at the draft tables, if not playing in any of the matches on Arena. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot.